Okay. You know, most um, MMA podcasts have much more aggressive music, Brian. <laughs> Face the pain. <laughs> um, all right. So here we are. This is episode three of the Art Fight Club podcast. We're doing this again, Joe. I know. We've done it three times. It's pretty good so far. It's pretty good. <laughs> so far, I think it's a pretty good podcast. Will you please go and, and rate us and review us? Uh, yeah, rate we, us we and review us on opinions. iTunes. I'm on Yelp right now. <laughs> so, um, all right. We're in the zone now. Whoa. Hey. So, this is momentous and awesome. Uh, I, I, Ashley, I'm so glad you're here. This is Thanks. so cool. Joe, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here, Brian. And I'm glad that I'm here. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that we're all here. Uh, <laughs> and uh, this is super exciting. I mean, there's nothing more, you know, in in the years now that I've been just a, a fight fan, I don't train or anything, right? Um, although that's going to change. I'm going to become part of the the broader experiment of like, what happens when old guy starts <laughs> uh, training but um but uh but in my experience i i can't like there's all the obvious sort of fight considerations and human considerations i i just find fighters to be the most interesting people um that i've ever probably ever talked to so anytime i get a chance to pick the brain of, of anybody that that has gone down that road and made that choice i find it just so valuable and, and so uh there's so much learning and so much uh, inspiration to pull because I mean we're you know we've we've already, we've already talked about this sort of music and other pursuits and those things are sort of so painfully lightweight to me compared to the volatility of of what you do. So anyway, thank you for being here. Oh, you bet! I'm yeah. excited. Yeah, and Joe. Uh, thanks for making this happen. Yeah. So, um, Ashley, uh, Ashley Burns, who lives here in Nashville, just like us, um, and I have been friends on Facebook for a long time, um, a couple of years anyway. Uh, I started following Ashley cause I realized she was this local fighter and we had a bunch of friends in common and a couple of like a year and a half ago, she gave me all this good advice on where I could look into training myself. And, um, I guess it was about a week ago, Ashley, I saw that you, you were starring in a new music video. And then I saw that and I thought, Oh, this is perfect. Why doesn't she, why don't I ask her about coming on the podcast? So why don't you tell us about this new music video that you're in? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's funny is uh Facebook is a miraculous tool mm-hmm. and you know, you can love it and you can hate it, but for the <laughs> large part, it has really introduced me to some really interesting and like spectrum people from music to fighting to production to mm-hmm. you name it. And I got a message from my guy come from New Jersey and mm-hmm. said, Hey, you know, um, I've got this hip hop group. I've got this like message in this song. We're coming to do a video in Nashville and we were looking for local fighters and, mm-hmm. you know, you kind of popped up on several things and we would love for you to come be a part of it. And I'm like, okay, you know, it could be a creepy Facebook message or it could be, uh, <laughs> yeah. it could be, you know, you yeah. have to sometimes as a female yeah. on Facebook, you have to sometimes, yeah. there's a filter. Yeah. You have to yeah. take things. Sometimes. What do you mean by music video? Yeah. I was like, <laughs> does this video involve my clothes or anything weird? But, uh, you know, so he was like, Hey, you know, if you just want to call me, we can reach out, we can, we can work this out. So anyways, I called him and I kind of looked up, did a little like research on the group and on him and, I thought, you know, this could be really fun. You know, I um, I liked the message of the song. It was basically kind of like a perseverance, kind of like a warrior's hymn is what the song is called. 
Um, the group is called Epoch Failure, spelled E-P-O-C-H. Mm-hmm. Um, they're from New Jersey, duo, and in, in large part, they're like a pop kind of hip-hop group, but they have a really great message and mm-hmm. songwriting style, and I kind of did some research on them, too. So I'm, I set it up. We're going to go meet. We're going to do this, and I had just come off this long stretch of bronchitis. So as soon as I show up, I was like, we might have to do this in takes, guys. <laughs> but it actually... Like they're waiting to meet this, like, like warrior oh, yeah. princess or whatever. Come, you're like... You're like <laughs> yeah, I was like, hold on, guys. I was like... Uh, it's not actually slow motion. You're just moving yeah. slow. <laughs> yeah. So I showed up and I, uh, you know, I'd never met these guys in person. I've only uh-huh. talked to the production guy, you know, like on the phone. So I kind of walk into like something that's already kind of set up and established and people who know each other, obviously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Hey, I'm that person who's going to punch things. How's it going? Where was it? Where was that shot? Cause I think I recognized the location, but I'm curious if I'm going to let you tell me and see if I got it right. Oh, totally. yeah. you know, so you know where the Corsair distillery is, um, over down off of, um, what like is that? Uh, fourth or chestnut? Or, yeah, fourth yeah, and yeah. chestnut. Yeah. Okay. So, and ironically enough, so, you know, the back part of that, they obviously ran out for, whatever you know music videos or uh, events yeah but i used to work at the building next door Uh um so when i pulled up i was like wait are they shooting this in my old job i was like so (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah all those buildings are sort of available they're they're looking for big corporate people to come in there's a huge plan for that whole area that is kind of nuts but uh but i was I recognize the inside of that because I've been a all cool through building. there. It yeah. really is. Yeah, I was like, man, I want to live here. I was like, this mm-hmm. is great, great place to shoot. So, so you had a good time. I did. I had a great time, and um, you know, the guys and the production team and and the videographer and everybody, you know, afterwards they invited me out to come, you know, kind of celebrate them with the release and everything. And so, all in all, I mean, it was a great experience. Um, That's cool. Yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes you show up to do extras and gigs. It it's not my first time to show up to do something like that. Yeah. Um, but you know they were much more like friends family connected yeah Yeah. right i could definitely tell there was like mutual vibes of like you know just camaraderie and stuff like that which was i I thought was kind of cool i was like you all want me to come hang out with you at your party i was like all right it's always it's always great when somebody (laughs) asks you to do something because i mean in, in all of our realms i'm sure we've had you know people contact us out of the blue for various things And it's always so kind of almost heartbreaking when you can tell that somebody really wants to incorporate you into something out of goodwill and, you know, positivity. But then you kind of look at, and then you feel like such a jerk because you you look at what you listen or whatever the thing is that they do. And you're like, it's just not, (laughs) you know, and it's not because, you you know, it's not about these high standards per se, but just about the right fit. Right. And, and, uh, and so it's always it's always like sort of a small little heartbreak. So whenever you do have those moments where even on a lark, you're like, you know, what? I'm not a hundred percent sure, but let's go check, check it out. And uh, then it works out. That's the best. And I, I hope that what one of those is happening right now. Yeah. I can feel it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, and I've been, uh, it's, it's funny because Joe comes over a little bit early before we, we, uh, record and we just start going. Uh, this has been, uh, a long time in the making that we finally have this podcast because now we can just start recording what we are always talking about anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but we I have to keep telling each other to shut up. Yeah, don't talk it, it out. Yeah, yeah. Wait, till, wait till you turn the mic on. <laughs> so, so, I, so I kept, so I didn't, when you came, uh, actually, I didn't want to, you know, start in on you with all the things that, you know, until we were recording. But, but basically, uh, one of the things I just wanted to point out is I think that we have, and this is such a Nashville thing for anybody that's not 
from Nashville. I mean, everybody has sort of insular communities that they come from, but oh, I mean, wow, Nashville, the overlap and the, and the weavings of all the people and personalities is unbelievable. Uh, but I, we have a, a bunch of common friends. It doesn't so, surprise me And at all. I'm not going to tell you who any of them are. I'm but scared. I, I'm but just I, kidding. But, um, but, I, but I Facebook stalked you just to make sure that like you weren't some scam. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was sort of like, who is this girl? Let who me is this chick? Uh, I don't know. Is this some know. kind of weird Facebook? But no, so like you, you, you know, <laughs> but you know Jordan and Alex. Yeah. And so I used to be in a band called Pony Chase uh, with... Uh, I didn't know you were in that band. Yeah. So I was actually the... Like it's sort of like Spinal Tab. Like I was the second drummer. Mm. I've been the, I've, I've been the <laughs> I was the second drummer. Right. I, I, I've been like. Oh a, yeah. That's kind of my thing. Is I I'm, heard about the second I'm the replacement. <laughs> yeah. I did that. I was also years ago in the uh, in the alcohol stunt band for a spell, and I was a replacement drummer for that band as well. They had a number of drummers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but luckily, none of them have died, so it wasn't because yeah. of that. But uh, but anyways, I just wanted to bring up that like it's just I love how. Uh, interconnected everything is mm-hmm. here sometimes it's not <laughs> the most enjoyable thing and right. you kind of feel like you're trying to individuate and like not be relegated to what people perceive you as and yes. you kind of start anew and it's hard to do that here especially if you're from here which I am but so. you are yeah. Really. Yeah. oh okay yeah. I am a total I didn't realize native that. oh yeah that's yeah. amazing for people who don't live in Nashville <laughs> you almost never meet anyone who's a native actually from Nashville in Nashville yeah. <laughs> so the whole time I've lived here it's always been yeah I've been here since 92 but even back then it seemed like I rarely met people who were from here because there's just so many people even when there was less people in nashville there was still so many people who come here for whatever reasons oh definitely usually music related for sure but yeah so in your pathway did you were you doing music prior to to fighting or did one sort of seek into the other was it something then you kind of did in parallel or tell me how that kind of worked with you you know it's funny like music is still just like the love of my life i Mm. love music it was just like an extra like a instrument for me to be able Mm. to like express myself from a very young age and so when i was playing music the whole time i never could have conceived that i would do anything other than that just indefinitely yeah Mm -hmm. and then i the day i got my record contract was also the day i found out i was pregnant Mm. and so i thought man like what is what is that gonna do or Mm. mean you know so i still toured and did some other stuff a little bit afterwards what band was this? Uh, Tramp Skirts. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and I thought, you it's know. It's a great name. Talk about <laughs> super small world. Yeah, yeah. all-female punk rock band. Yeah. So and it, you were the singer? Yep. Yeah, right on. And um, really quick, just a little bit more. Like, do, do you do you play instruments? I do, do you... actually. I played bass uh, some of the time in the band. However, oh. towards the end when we were touring, it was... I'm very theatrical stuff, mm. front person. Uh-huh. So it was easier to have a bass player for hire yeah, for yeah. some of those gigs. But That's cool. I did sub in when that was not available. Uh-huh. So, and then I did a couple of projects after that. I played guitar in a mm-hmm. pop rock band. Um, and then I played. What bass- was that band called? Lipstick Dynamite. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I want to roll with these names. Okay. Yeah, these so names are great. <laughs> we were talking earlier about how, you know, sometimes it's like you're the front and sometimes you're in the back and picking those roles for yourself kind of be, it could be what you're doing or it also could be your personality type, just like right. where you're comfortable. And when I decided to try to play guitar, it was something that I was more mediocre at and I wanted to get better. Yeah. Mm. Um, so I thought, you know what? That's a great way to start. So a buddy of mine was like, hey, you know, like I'll teach you the chords. You can help. It'll help you grow. So let's do this. So, and it was different genre than I was used to playing for sure too. Yeah. 
um, like pop rock, things that are like really radio friendly, things like that were mm. very new to me. Traditional right. yeah. writing or chord structures. Or, yeah. yeah. This I mean, ain't just... your grandfather's tramp skirts. <laughs> yeah, boo. Yeah, boo. So I was like, you know, it could be fun. It was a buddy of mine I'd known just from the music circle, you know, community in Nashville. Mm. Um, so I did that for a little bit. And then um, my original guitarist, um, LG, who's now in Thelma and the Sleeves, Oh, cool. um, she was me and her were the original co- like founding members of Tramp Shirts and she was do had like a three piece kind of like a metal kind of hardcore group and nice. I subbed in and played a couple shows with them and played with yeah. them for a little bit but you know I had kind of reached a point where I don't know if it was just like I was emotionally physically or spiritually tired but I just I, I felt like for me, music had kind of hit a point where like I needed to take a step back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was becoming the story, not the storyteller anymore. And yeah. I don't know if That's people can. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if people can relate to that. But sometimes, if only you could find a more poetic way to synthesize. <laughs> I know. <laughs> sometimes uh, being an English major uh, gets the best of me. Uh, but no, yeah, I totally understand. I, I more than understand that. Um, being in a lifelong pursuit of music in a singular focus and then um, there's a weird identity thing that happens where it's like if if you even entertain anything else it feels at first like abandonment yeah feels- or like this kind of am I am I folding in on my my aspirations or am I not challenging myself hard enough or or whatever but you know I think what I experienced or what I learned in my sort of uh, my thing was that I am. I need to do things that are uh, on my own. I I don't want to be in a band, and I don't want to play shows. Like like I don't want to. I don't want to deal with All the, the indignities, right? And there's a point where, like, when you're young, it's like, yeah, let's get in a band. Nobody, you're like, this is great. I don't yeah. care about anything, man. We'll figure it out. And then yeah. as you get older, you're like. Is this what is this My hotel? <laughs> yeah, this hotel sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Do we have a per diem? I'm fucking yeah. hungry. I'm tired. Yeah. Yeah. Or, just as a, an evolving human being, I mean, you have you have to be able to do something that you're expressing meaningfully. And, and if um, I've heard a lot of people talk about this, um, you know, where it's like if you once you get famous and you're just on the road all the time, then all you can do is write songs about being on the road, and right. and then you turn into Bob Seger. Yeah, right. Which is <laughs> kind of cool, but, you know, but uh, I've come around on the on the, the secret. No, um, anyway, I just totally understand that. That's a very interesting um, kind of internal kind of calamity to sort of wrestle with, and I think that uh, we've all sort of been there. I think in, in some way. Because here's the thing: if you, if you look at like what is the best possible outcome of this thing that we're driving at so hard, well then okay, we get signed or we're playing Wembley Stadium. I don't know, whatever the biggest thing is, then that's what you're doing. And that becomes, yeah. that becomes more fearful to me than anything. It's like, I'm not going to be able to do anything else. Yeah. As, you know, so Almost definitely. There's a, I think there's always like a fear of failure versus a fear of success. I mean, like, yeah. what's too much and what's not enough. And, you know, I, uh, I kind of thought to myself in this like sabbatical, cause obviously I was, I mean, I was heartbroken. I mean, these were people who I'd had a very long, it was one of the longest working relationships I'd had with people in general. And especially in that intimate setting, uh, you know, me and LG had lived together. We had worked together. We had played in a band together. I mean, we've been everything but married yeah. practically, you yeah. know? So it was like divorce, getting a divorce, mm-hmm. you know? And I, um, I didn't know who or what to do, what I was like, where I was going. And then, I just kind of had this like epiphany one day and it's funny because like inspiration is a very uh peculiar thing you know it's sometimes you go on long droughts and then other times it's just raining on you and you're mm-hmm. just spitting out creative shit left and right and you uh-huh. 
you're knocking houses down, you know? Yeah. And I was in a drought and I thought, man, like, what am I going to, what am I going to do next? I'm, I'm too much of a, that extrovert is too much of a show stealer spotlighter to like, need that just drug. Lay, yeah. You yeah. know, to like lay down and just, you know, assign myself to fate thinking that I could live in a background forever. Cause I know that's definitely not what I could do. Mm-hmm. And my brother has been in martial arts pretty much his entire life. And, you know, growing up, I'd always been a really competitive athlete competitive sibling competitive band i mean competitive mm-hmm. in general mm-hmm. so i um, and you played soccer and other sports like soccer, that yeah soccer yeah. basketball uh diving ice skating you know oh, you yeah. name lots it lots of stuff lots of stuff <laughs> you're like a one person olympics i'm like a jack of all trades master of none <laughs> i can do a lot of things a little bit um, <laughs> you're like i will come in fourth place in everything yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was about to say, I can pretty much, you know, do a little bit of everything. I mean, but I uh, I kind of was like, you know, I don't, I, I feel like I need to do something to like challenge myself. And for the longest playing music, it was my health that was the least challenged, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought, you know, maybe I should give my physical self like some stimulation and see what happens. Mm-hmm. So I looked up, I was actually looking up for a Moy Brand gym because it's kind of like the forerunner of muay thai and mm-hmm. it's basically um, what is it called it's called muay bran okay and is it's, that the one where like headbutts are allowed it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah. you ever seen that movie Ong, uh Ong Bak? oh yeah Ong okay. Bak, the thai warrior yeah so he, he he pretty much in this movie is like doing muay bran and okay. it's you know it's so fast yeah i can't i, don't, I can't even identify the style because it's insane it was such a weird <laughs> niche thing so i thought like there's yeah. like you know i just googled it and yeah Next thing I know, Tiger King, Muay Thai pops up. And I'm uh-huh. like, but they say that they do that too. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll just call the gym. I call. He's like, yeah, you know, we kind of do a little bit of everything. But, you know, we have our own style. You should just kind of come check it out and just see, have a class, see how you feel. Uh-huh. So I thought, okay, what do I got to lose? First class, I thought I was going to die. <laughs> I had been smoking and drinking and living the life of many, many excesses. And I was like... God, that is rough. <laughs> that is so rough. You know, it was like a crash course in like health 101. I was like, like let me understand fully what deficit I'm at physically <laughs> yeah. right away. Like immediately yeah. off the rip. <laughs> like you are in a shit tunnel, you know? Like, okay. <laughs> so it was the the beautiful irony of it though is, is after the first class, like that very end of the day, he's like, well, how do you feel? And I was like, when's the next class? Like uh-huh. I'm ready. And you know, I think a couple months after that, I had my first bout and- Wow. Yeah. I mean, I just, I kind of took to months. It. Yeah. Wow. And so I, you... I was at that time I was able at my job, I was able to train, you know, twice a day, uh-huh. six days a week. And I still train now a considerable amount, but at that time I was able to really like, there's so many, yeah, so many things. So I want to really, what kind of stuff did your brother do when you were growing up? He was doing like Taekwondo, I would assume or something Actually, like that. Actually, you know what? He was a jujitsu guy. Oh, so, really? Um, and my brother's one of those, like, you know, I call some people like our, do martial arts and some people are martial artists and what mm-hmm. i mean by that is that the distinction being that you practice more than one discipline mm-hmm. you know that you are generally in love with martial arts as a sport and it is the way it is the way yeah. and you mm-hmm. kind of delve into different things so like Kali stick fighting a lot of krav maga like self-defense stuff he did uh-huh. wow so yeah. whatever he was into yeah. fighting he was into fighting yeah. and yeah. a lot of um like he had a contract job with the government at one point doing like self-defense like kind of doing like an integrated Krav Maga course with a bunch of their uh, military guys. Oh, cool. Yeah, so, I mean, I was getting, like, leg locked, ankle locked, you know. <laughs> you're like, I better learn how to defend I'm, myself. I'm, like, 10 years old, you know. <laughs> so, so you're, you're like, Muay Thai, this is 
great. Oh, this is fantastic. And then he was also doing... He, he kicked was, my brother so hard. You know? <laughs> I will say the coolest thing ever was like, you know, a couple of years ago when my, my brother first came in, I was still training and uh, me and my brother got to train together. And mm-hmm. I thought, man, this is like the coolest. You uh-huh. know? Culmination of all the childhood yeah. fights and all the things. All the things. Now it's constructive. It's so constructive now. Yeah. It made me feel so good. Um, so that was a great thing to be able to share. And, mm-hmm. you know, in turn, my son has been... He was like in a Taekwondo Jiu-Jitsu mixed class uh-huh. and then now is doing wrestling. Oh, cool. Which secretly I always wish I had done when I was younger. So. Uh-huh. And is he, can I ask how old he is? Oh, yeah. He's nine. So he's, oh, so is he wrestling through a gym or Does he have an agent? You? I know. Does, are, you, yeah, are you guys exactly. open for hiring? Yeah. Does he have any representation for, for the fight yeah. game? Um, We're going to need a nickname and a mask. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely have some, uh, some of those old wrestling masks he used for costumes. So yeah, I got some cool. on standby. Uh, it's actually actually through NBA, like they do. Oh like wow! A, I guess like is it considered like an inner school league kind That's of thing? Cool. That's cool. That's really cool. I know. I was like I, uh-huh. the first day they were doing double leg takedowns. I was like, I want to join. I know. See, I, wanted, I was like, I know what that I, is. I played football when I was in high school, and I was way. I mean, I was completely insane about playing football when I was in high school. But by the time uh, by the time I graduated, I had gotten to the point where I was sort of like. Oh shit! I should have been a wrestler because I just at that yeah. point I began to realize that I approached football as if it was really just all about me, kind of. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, it's like we would lose the game, and I'd be like, "I feel pretty damn good." I feel really I know, good about what I, I know. I knocked, right now. I, knocked, I knocked that guy down. I knocked that guy down. <laughs> I couldn't have done anything more. We lost by forty, and it was awesome. I, <laughs> I can't play the game yeah. for everyone, guys. Yeah. You know? No, it wasn't really like that. But I, I just realized that, like, my I was concerned about being. I was concerned about my personal excellence and I realized that would be even that would be even better if I was in a sport where I could just be against one other person. Oh yeah. And it was yeah. just I mean in football a lot of times it kind of ended up that way anyway because you just kind of play against the same dude all night a lot of times. But it's in this bigger context yeah. where yeah, it's like definitely. what if we just what if it's just you and I man and we just see who's better. <laughs> see so, I just, that's so, my shit right there. I, like, <laughs> I, I grew up I grew up playing soccer and I grew up playing on the like on the I got to the point where I was on the traveling team and all mm-hmm. that and I thought that I was really great. But we were the worst team, and we would, so all we did. My whole sport experience growing up is driving two hours to get your ass kicked, <laughs> embarrassed, and yeah. then sent back home. <laughs> and I'm talking like we would travel. For, this is back in North Carolina. Like go, you know, from Winston Salem, say to like Raleigh, play the Raleigh team, literally lose like 19 to one, <laughs> and then go back. So like I had, I had on, our everybody. town was just a smaller pool of people, and you know. And so we were a small market, uh, but anyway. So uh, what happened for me was I got so sick of just lo- of losing. Period. Just because we would only win one or two games a season, mm. my whole because what happens is you get locked into like the year that you were born team. Yeah, yeah. you know, I was I was on the seventy twos, and there's so, no there's no recruiting or anything. Yeah. <laughs> like, this yeah. is never gonna yeah. get this any team's better. Not gonna get better unless yeah. this, unless Jimmy grows a foot next yeah. summer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. So so I got to the point where I just and also it kind of got to the point too where I was like I don't really like these people. Yeah. Um, I don't want to be around them, so I'm just gonna let this go. And then, uh, but then I started playing tennis, and so finally, for once, I was me in control of everything that went on. And my first tournament, I won the entire tournament, mm, and awesome. I was, and I was like, "This, 
That's I what I'm talking about. Yeah. Right? Some, some control here. And, and then, I, and then I abruptly quit. Just wanted to go out on top. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Drops ragged. Yeah, this, <laughs> I'm out. I'm out. Right. It's like now I'm gonna go smoke weed and listen to Pink Floyd like all my other friends. <laughs> That's basically kind of what happened to me. I, just, I wanted to prove my point. <laughs> now I'm gonna roll a joint. So, so many, so many common, common things here. But, but about, <laughs> But so you know, uh, but I love the idea that that um that you you took this on you know in a way fighting. I mean, I, I just can't ever like I even started off saying like people that fight. Oh my God, that's just I'm so envious of whatever that is. I wish that I was 20 because I would I would want to just experience the worst of all that while I could still physically take it and <laughs> and you know all of that. Um, but uh, but ultimately, like I, I just think it's so interesting how how you went from group settings and creative endeavors to to now this more almost kind of more monastic and solo pursuit. But you're still on a team. You're still with a team. You still have that familial support. You still have Definitely. that element. So perhaps that was sort of the proper bridge for for you. You know, it's funny. It's like I. I honestly kind of felt like um, that the fight community in a lot of ways kind of mirrored the musical community, you know, Mm -hmm. everybody kind of doing, trying to get better, everybody trying to, you know, play another gig or get another bout or, you know what I mean? Mm. They, they reminded me a lot of each other. Only Mm. I felt like for me, when I started channeling, doing more just Muay Thai and martial arts and stuff is that. I just started noticing like a lot of positive attributes for myself. Like my, my health was better. My outlook was better. You know, it just started, mm-hmm. it started trying to transforming me over time into this just like better human. Mm-hmm. And I thought, man, like that's why I kind of laughed when you were saying that we knew people. Cause I'm like, I used to make the joke that it, if you could ask anybody about me, it just depends on what chapter of yeah. the book yeah. that they knew me from, yeah. they, what the response would be. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. It could either be super fantastic or probably super terrible. I mean, yeah. depending on who you asked. Right. But, um, but I can own that, you know, like I think that through just being an active practitioner and in a sport that like, you know, really challenges you, pushes you and kind of forces you to like expose weakness has been a very mm-hmm. like, there's no running or hiding yeah, anything. There's, you know, a, yeah. If there's something you're not doing well, there's no way of avoiding it. You know, whereas like if musical and whatever other parts of your life, if you're not that great and you're in a group setting, you can kind of just soak back. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. You don't have to, it doesn't have to be on, you know, right. the forefront of everybody's knowledge. Yeah. Right. You know? So, so, so I guess, um, what I wonder about too is, you know, for, for me, and I've brought this up before, but it's like pe- people, uh, in the art world or friends that I have in various realms of, of whatever they're, they're sort of aghast when I'm, when I'm really, they find out that like, I would have never taken you for a fight fan. Like I'm just a fan. Right. And they're like, really, you're having a fight party at your house. Like, <laughs> yeah. Do you like that stuff? Or it's very, um, alien or sort of almost disturbing to certain people. So I guess since you kind of come from a lot of different worlds, I guess I'm curious about what kind of, not like resistance that like who cares what anybody says right but, no, but ultimately just that. that kind of weird hang up that's just an automatic hang up that people have about um quote unquote violence as it were or you know all the things i, I guess i'm just curious about your experience uh leading from from creative realms into the fighting realm and what stereotypes you've had to sort of deal with you know, it's really funny about that is I used to joke that um, when I played music, I had zero problems getting a date ever. Yeah. But when I switched to doing combat sports, it was miraculous. I was like, 
Boo! Tumbleweeds. <laughs> and I was like, man, that's a that's a that's a 180 for Ashley. Whoa. <laughs> I was used to just walking in places and being like, Let's I have arrived, you know? <laughs> and now people walked in and they're like kind of intimidated. And you know, the whole time when I was getting started, it never even dawned on me that that would have like a social and you know, um, what's the word? I'm like prejudice, you know, like yeah. I didn't even realize that some people had them and they don't even realize they have them kind of thing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, conversations, if it go there, you could tell that they were kind of like, eh, you know, not, not really my thing or, mm-hmm. you know, it, it yeah. did kind of ostracize me in some ways, which I guess when you're in a punk band and doing those kind of things, it can be similar, you know, in some mm-hmm. regards, socially and community wise. Yeah. Right. So you can beat the hell out of everyone in the audience <laughs> with a guitar, but you can't Whack. hit them with gloves. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> No, I, um, I have, and you know, being, um, a female on top of that, you know, brings its own. Cause you know, mm-hmm. in music, it can be exploited just like it can be in fight sports, you know, being young, attractive female, you know, equals, they want to utilize you as a something for marketing for something, God, you know, like if you haven't spent your whole life enough already trying to sort out fact from fiction about people that are interested in what you're doing or want to help or be a part or support or something and had that that constant filter of skepticism that you have to have as a woman anyway i can imagine that in the fight game especially now oh, in the definitely. last few years several years within you know, the last five years because the, the, the tide has turned and now it's like oh there's big money there's there's real things that can happen here oh definitely uh, and then parlaying that to entertainment and all these things you know that this precedent's been set now so it's got to be really rough well, you know, I think um, I think as long as, you know, I always try to, try to say, you know, to a certain degree, it's just the nature of the beast. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And either I deny it and just, you know, completely try to dispute it and turn the blind eye, or I can just kind of use it to my advantage yeah. where in the realm where I feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have definitely gotten sponsorship deals and some other things that were probably utilized from a variety of things, part and side from talent. Yeah. But you Mark- know, marketability. It, it was marketability, but at the end of the day, it still gets things done. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's it almost equals out. Maybe it almost equals way. out. It kind of cancels I, each as other long out. as you have. Yeah. Your, your, I mean, obviously, you have a really strong sense of self and and your values and, and a core sort of understanding of where you sit in the universe. So you're not worried about being compromised about you know any of these engagements. You you can probably set pretty strong. Uh, boundaries around like you know yeah what i mean you follow and what you do it yeah. doesn't end up being you know i uh, i take it with a grain of salt because you know it's just it's if it's what makes you marketable and what helps promote your team your gym you i mean sometimes it's just a means to an end but mm-hmm. you know to go back on what you were talking about like about friends and family and stuff like that you know i'm pretty sure that some of my my some of my family thinks it's amazing and thinks it's cool and other parts are not as into it mm. they find it to be a little like offensive mm-hmm. you know yeah. so I mean, it's strange it's that that level right like people almost take offense i mean yeah, part of yeah. my family's irish catholic so you know mm-hmm. it's like i'm not overtly religious we mm-hmm. would you know irish catholic people like fighting though you, know, right? <laughs> you would think that that would be like a, an irish catholic deal. person <laughs> I, I can assure you <laughs> i think uh so most of us do however yeah. but you know like my extended family and some of that i think sure. definitely they kind of look at it well, it's weird too because, like, you I mean, the other double standard is the thing of like, you know, well, you've got people who just in general think, you know, something like uh, Muay Thai fighting or mixed martial arts, even if they can tolerate a boxing match here and there, which is arguably more dangerous, um, you know, they still have that whole human cockfighting thing in their head of like these, 
half naked people just beating each other to a bloody pulp or whatever. Thanks, John McCain. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. But then even the people who might be with that, they're still, I mean, I don't know a lot of people who, people I know who like MMA, uh, you know, or whatever, kickboxing, or whatever it might be, we'll talk about, and Brian and I will talk about, we'll talk about all the fights just like they're the fights. We don't really, it's, is it like, are we talking about the straw weight women? Or are we talking about the bantam weight guys? Or are we talking about the, the welterweights? Are we talking about Ronda Rousey's legacy, whatever. It's like, they're all just fighters and we don't really talk about it that way. But there are people who of course are like, you know, they'd be happy to watch two guys fight. But if you all of a sudden the girls start fighting yeah. and it's like, I don't want to see that. I like, I don't want to see. Just, that's where you just hit the nail. On the head <laughs> I don't want to see, I don't want to see pretty girls getting punched or whatever, you know, or it's not, or it's like not a lady's place or something like that. You know, that would be, uh, <laughs> Uh, way of putting it uh, that would be more or less like when we were talking about like um like uh people feeling like abhorrent to like fight sports i don't think as long as it was men fighting you know they seem to have an issue because mm-hmm. that seems normal yeah <laughs> they, they need to get it out of their system this, <laughs> just, this is built-in primordial stuff for them there you yeah. go let them have a constructive outlet yeah. for that yeah but when they, women do it yeah. or i've also seen the other side of the discrimination where it's just like Oh, they're good for girls. I mean, like, as if, like, levels of athleticism have Mm -hmm. degrees and Mm -hmm. gender plays a role on how talented you are. I'm like, okay. Or or it's that thing where it's like, (laughs) Like, okay. Actually, does does it bother you even? Like, here's the thing. I'm sure that you've had to embrace this as much as it probably bothers you. um, But it's sort of like this whole thing of, like, well, it's good that women are doing that so that they can be empowered. Or, you know what I mean? Like, like that this is the only, that this is some extreme pathway for, for, uh, for getting it, oh, we're, getting, we're taking a selfie. Um, so selfie uh, time, y'all. Yeah. So, so everybody take a selfie. But do, do, do you know what I mean? Like, because on one hand, I'm sure that as a, especially as a, as a mom and as a powerful woman, you want to, you want to say like, look, this is a great pathway for young women to, to, um, you know, improve and empower yourself and and feel a better sense of self. But that's really just the broader martial arts pursuit. Yeah. But it gets kind of put into this framework that almost to me seems kind of troubling, where it's like men do this but women can do that too mm-hmm. if they want to feel like as opposed to just being natively like no this is com- competition yeah. you know what yeah. i mean or she's just a great fighter and I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, you know i think um between being an, an all-female group and then being an, as a female yeah. athlete you know it's like to face that good for a girl kind of concept for me growing up with two brothers, you know, kind of like living in the shadow of my father, like I always kind of just felt like I was an equal, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And That's so great. I never really understood until I started hearing other women like complain and discern or whatever that, mm-hmm. you know, that there was like kind of like a sexist, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, being in an all female group, you experience it being a female martial artist, you experience it. But, you know, I feel like, my coach and some of the people that I choose to be in my corner to be like in my inner circle are very empowering people. They're big advocates for female, Mm -hmm. you know, in sports and whatever. And, you know, I think it kind of helps change the image that comes along with, you know, females of sports, because especially for MMA, since that's like more of like the big main mainstream, Mm -hmm. like fight exposure. Like if you're a fight fan, then obviously, you know, about, you know, like the glory kickboxing or, Mm -hmm. you know, um, Lion Fight does the is one of the biggest MMA or you know Muay Thai productions in the United mm-hmm. States, and then obviously like Invicta caters to only female athletes uh-huh. mm-hmm. of extremely high legacy. caliber. Yeah, Legacy mm-hmm. they have several um, featherweight champions that are female. Mm-hmm. You know, um, used to be the uh, the XFC here yeah. regionally. 
oh yeah before they just split for brazil or whatever that was about but uh yeah i don't know what that yeah. i think <laughs> i think they had uh some some hidden reasons they weren't wanting to disclose to people yeah. about that <laughs> all, all of a sudden they had a very vested international interest yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> money laundering oh. <laughs> <laughs> but you know it's i think that it, you know in the next five to ten years where we'll see female athletes on a platform because you know even still now i mean they're a smaller spectrum on some of those bigger promotions mm-hmm. i mean glory just added you know a female division basically to cater to tiffany van Seuss because they needed mm-hmm. a, kind of like a star power to kind of bolster it kind of how like ronda rousey was for mm-hmm. you know ufc you mm-hmm. need a catalyst to kind of like get you people can just say more... rose namajunas now yeah you know it's really yeah. sad yana is my girl man i can't i love you i can't i just like oh man <laughs> I was really hard, but I followed her Muay Thai career for years before she ever even nice. put on yeah. MMA gloves. And that's cool. She's phenomenal. She is. Yeah. She's like a. She's got that like spirit that's just like yeah. fight or die, man. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, and I love that. Yeah, me too. I like both of them. We'll see. She, she's like she's got she's got more she's got more in her. We'll, we'll see her again real soon. I'm sure. Uh, she, she's not the type to really. I think yeah. and take a loss. You and know? I mean, and she's plowed through most of the people in that division already. So she'll be back again at the top real quick. You know what I mean? So it's, we'll it's, see. Well, it's going to be very interesting to see what adjustment she makes when right. she reenters. It'll be fascinating. Either whether, whether <laughs> she gets a title shot right away or a rematch, or whether she has to have one more fight before uh-huh. the. Um, just the idea of like how is she going to mentally and promotionally approach this one because whatever she did last time was her undoing <laughs> and that did not work. You cannot keep running that. Like she, she runs that program really she, when she was doing that against like Carla Sparza and people like that, oh, yeah. it was really sort of novel and interesting and, and almost comical, but really dead serious and frightening at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But then she just kind of kept ramping up and ramping up. And then I think that she kind of undid herself with the way that she was trying to get at Rose and it just didn't, just mm-hmm. you can just you can kind of feel like it, the same way with Rousey Holm. Yeah, uh, yeah. You can feel that she was like, "Are you really trying to manufacture a beef with Holly Holm right now? Like, how can you have a beef with Holly Holm?" <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. When there's absolutely zero reason. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, I think uh, before she kicks you in the head. But, yeah. <laughs> now you've got plenty of reason. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think every every athlete or star or you know in whatever field, I think everybody struggles with that when they get put in a position where they're everyone's looking at them, you know, like, and people are counting on you and now people are depending on you, yeah. putting pressure on you, yeah. like to, to rise to that occasion. And there's like, you know, just like a handful of people in the world that can really take that pressure and, you know, metabolize it and turn it into uh-huh. like gold on screen, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then if, even if you can do that sort of alchemy, how can, how can you keep it going? And yeah. Yeah. Keep she, it. she had a good run for two years and she'll be back. Yeah. 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 But like, it's like you say, though, like, you know, with that, like, mind game stuff or with her fight plan in general. I mean, she fought a number of fighters who were all similar in the sense that they all came forward and she was able to intercept them every time. You know yeah. what I mean? And then uh, Rose was like the first person who was sort of like playing with the distance the way that Joanna normally would play with the distance. Mm-hmm. And it's like so suddenly you can't get to her head. And now she's getting to your chin but you ain't getting to hers <laughs> you know? which really doesn't happen very often no, her, which is I mean I was really impressed yeah. because I think you know fight sports is one of those things like even if the one person is like obviously like the hand down they're the favorite it's like anything can happen yeah it's so cool the fight game is so unpredictable yeah, yeah. I love you it you know <laughs> every dog can have his day anybody can rise to the occasion and right. just get yeah. that one soccer is gonna play itself out yeah. like you're gonna know 
like that's a long drawn out affair that's yeah. gonna you know it's hard to upset someone and yeah because it, it's such a sust- long sustained effort right the and best team fight yeah. you know like imagine if there was like a sudden death soccer league or something <laughs> you know what I mean like, like it's <laughs> soccer with submissions I'm, I'm, <laughs> no, okay that's another level that would be that would be terrifying <laughs> like, kick, you in the, kick the ball and just like uh, arm bar somebody yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that. And you know I'm, actually I'm sure that this is probably already on ESPN at three in the morning but, <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly but uh but yeah so like so tell me about so when you went from the experience of I'm going to train I enjoy this this makes me feel good I feel better about my health and my state of being I like these people I feel camaraderie this is great and then you went so quickly into competing so in the way that it's sort of like like I remember the first time I ever played a show like a music show live in front of people oh, and, yeah, and so like nervous. how it was like how terrifying that was oh, and, so nervous you know, anything you do for the first time especially when you haven't been doing it a long time you're just putting it out there right oh yeah but you're doing it with these incredible sort of there's a lot of volatility because you're getting punched in the face so so tell me about like what your first sort of your first show experience was right? like oh man it was you know, so I, like I said, I'd only been training for a few months and I, granted I was training really hard. I had never really, you know, I'd never been in a ring. Mm-hmm. I'd never, I had never been in that circumstance. It was like walking into the unknown. Like I could yeah. theorize from some sparring or drilling, but it wasn't not the same. Mm-hmm. It's most definitely not the same. And this was, you did an amateur fight? Yeah. yeah this was my so, very first amateur well, fight. So it was a tournament and uh-huh. I remember thinking, that's a lot of people out here watching this tournament fight. I was yeah. like, oh my God, thinking like, I am so nervous. I can't tell if I'm, if I need to like sit down or stand up. I was like, <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I was like, and then I remember after that bout, I thought, holy shit. I can't even believe that. Just like, it, I felt like I blinked and it was over. Oh, I was yeah. like, like time just evaporated. Uh-huh. I was like, I've never seen six minutes or whatever minutes of my life go by faster. Uh huh. So I think after that, I realized like, okay, this is real. Like if this is something I'm going to want to do, you take these experiences, you take them, you grow and you have to, Mm -hmm. there is no like finish line, if that makes sense. Like meaning every fight you have to make adjustments, every opponent you have to, Mm -hmm. they're so individual. You don't know what they're going to do. You can make some game plans for the most part if they, you know, have experience, et cetera. But Mm -hmm. In large in part, you know, you're having to to think on the moment, on the fly, and mm. respond accordingly. So, so based on that, like you go through that first fight, it happens in a blink. You probably, I'm suspecting that in that instance, you realize very quickly, like, oh, this is why drilling and repetition is king because I didn't have time to think or respond to anything. And you know, I've, I mean, I've had that experience just even. You know, in the early days of you know, playing drums or something, you know, where you're like, whoa, like there's oh, yeah. a, there's a whole other um, because when you take the tension of uh, the moment, you got to find ways to relax muscles and flow in the right way um, and not be too tensed up, but not be too uh, passive or what, you know, and then you go back when you're practicing. So now you've done your first fight, you're going back. And how did that change? Like how you were like all of a sudden everything's getting real and you know how to apply it I guess I think every you know um, over the years like every time you know I compete and you do things like you you work out little systems like you kind of end up developing your own style and the way that you fight and Mm -hmm. then you say like okay is this still is this still working for me like do I need to make more adjustments is there more things that I could practice then I feel like it's great once you get a base you're able to start saying okay now I want to start working on technical things like I want to get to where I, where I can work on like tactics, strategy, skills, mm-hmm. and honing them individually, and then putting them into play. Yeah, you know, into a plan. That into a ex- plan. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it's almost like drawn up game strategies, like if you were in football or something. Right, you know yeah. what I mean? 
So these people that say they have no plan, are they full of shit? Does everybody... Everybody plan? has a plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a joke. I think Mike Tyson started to say everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face, which yeah. is kind of true. Yeah. Because it's very easy to get baited when people punch you. You obviously want to punch them back. But I think that in general, um, you know, as a as a coach, you know, you look at your fighter and you say, okay, this is like my fighter's strength. This is my fighter's weaknesses. Uh-huh. So this is the game plan we need to execute. Right. Say he's super strong, but the other guy's going to be really fast. Okay, well, then you need to stalk him down and you need to hit him with a power shot, but you're going to have to set it up and cut off the ring, et cetera. Mm. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So I think um, it is very individualized. Um, and it takes a coach who can, you know, work effectively with different personality types because mm-hmm. fighting brings out other parts of your personality. <laughs> you know, parts you didn't even know existed yeah. until you're cutting weight, <laughs> starving, <laughs> thirsty, uh-huh. you know, and you just are not feeling so great. And you still have other life responsibilities because uh-huh. you'd love to have nothing else to do but cut weight but you know yeah. in large in part most of the people are still have a part time job or a day job or whatever right. yeah, they have yeah, other yeah. responsibilities I uh-huh. mean they're not just that's the other thing I just I think yeah. is so amazing yeah they're not just like floating through life with nothing else right. to do I yeah. mean you know really, life really, goes really, I'm sorry oh, I was, no, I'm going to interrupt you guys but like because we're getting to the point where you're going to have to roll soon Ashley is literally putting uh, putting wraps on her hands while we're talking <laughs> are you are you uh, are you getting do you have a fight coming up so, you know, I just recently changed my work schedule around so I could um, be more available for matches. Uh-huh. And so hopefully by the end of this year, I will have another bout. Um, it would be amazing. I know we talked about earlier joking, saying no, it's fine. having we'll, it far away would be better. We'll be your corner. I would love to have, <laughs> um, I think at this point in my fighting experience, I would love to be in a home crowd again, you know, uh-huh. and actually have that sort of rally. Um, it'll kind of feel like coming full circle you know, for me. So I will keep you guys posted. Yeah. That'd for be sure. Cool. Why don't we tell like uh, people who live in Nashville who are interested in this, tell them about uh, the, the name of your gym is Sid the law. S I D T H I L a W Muay Thai. Is that right? Yep. Sid the law Muay Thai. And um, the gym is Nashville MMA. Okay. And the team is Sid the law. Muay yeah, Thai. The, t- okay. the team is Sid the law Muay Thai and um, coach Lance and um, coach Chris Beasley are both phenomenal instructors. Uh-huh. They're both very dedicated, have a lot of years of experience. And, you know, um, the really cool thing about when we went back and moved into this gym and started training out with these guys was that, you know, I got basically two different coaches with two totally different styles, you know, but getting to learn from both. So it's been really good for me personally, mm-hmm. you know, to get these two different perspectives and two different styles. Um, they also do jujitsu and they do grappling and some other things so if maybe your interest is more ground game things obviously mm-hmm. they cater to that as well and it can be somebody who's interested in competing or you know, all that stuff oh, or it can be somebody who's just wants to lose some weight and learn some fighting you know i really believe strongly that um this, and it's my only big qualm with um places that are like uh fitness boxing fitness whatever i feel like if you're mm-hmm. gonna learn a a technique if you're gonna learn something totally I know where you're going you can yeah. still be in shape and get into shape and learn a real valuable craft craft yeah. with, yeah. with know, a history and a with a, a history and a culture yeah. and etc but you could literally give yourself like two for the price of one yeah. you know you can train like a fighter and be um, I used to joke and call people honorary Tennesseans like if uh-huh. you've been living here for past like 10 20 years <laughs> technically you're an honorary Tennessean uh-huh. you know same thing for like people who are diehard music fans who go to all the shows who buy all the gear who buy all the merchandise who support mm. you're an honorary musician yeah mm. okay I like that you know what I mean yeah. and then if you go to a gym and you go to those teammates fights and 
you're supportive and you're learning the craft and you're doing your best. I mean, I train with people who are, you know, really young, who are juniors. And then I also train with people who are, you know, fifties and sixties. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no age limitation on being your best self. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a firm believer in that. I hope mm-hmm. that one day you punch me in the face. I will do it just for you. I will do it. I will save one punch just for you. No, I, I, I you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for, I'm, I'm definitely, um, there's a lot of people trying to recruit me right now, or at least <laughs> I, I just look at it as like taking my money, I guess, and, uh, uh, but I call it recruiting and, uh, you know, I, I'm open. I'm open. Um, mm-hmm. free agent. So yeah, we'll see. I'm digging your rap style, by the way, everybody, uh, it, you'll, if you do to do some fighting, you'll realize everybody wraps their hands differently. And I like this around the fingers thing that yeah, I got going. Oh on. yeah. You know, I, <laughs> a lot of people, even, you know, before fights, I have, uh-huh. uh, some old school cloth wraps with no uh-huh. strap on them uh-huh. that make the thick knuckle band on the top that right. my first coach gave to me. You like fold it I over still, and yep. put it on your knuckles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still use those for the majority of my fights cause they just feel like home. On yeah. My hands. That's cool. I, funny? I would do that just to go grocery shopping. <laughs> Yeah. Black, Walking around uh, scared people on Black Friday. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even think about it, fucker. <laughs> That's my fucking Xbox, bitch. So, and how, so how can, what, is, what platforms are you most active on, if any? I'm yeah. sure you're very okay. busy, but like, how can people find you um, and harass you for different weird opportunities, like music videos or oh, awesome well, things? Definitely. Um, so on Facebook, it's Ashley Burns. Um, I am on Instagram. It's at Ash Muay Thai, A-S-H-M-U-A-Y-T-H-A-I, and Twitter, same name. Sweet. Um, so if you do have questions or want to ask right. me about fight sports, et cetera, getting mm-hmm. started. And Sith um, has a Twitter account that I follow. So yep. I see you guys. I see like every Sunday I see a photo we of do. your Saturday sparring or whatever. And that's actually <laughs> open to the public too. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, gyms come from all over to cross train with us there on Sundays, which is a lot Sweet. of fun too. That's cool. Well, um... I hate that you have to run because we like to go for hours and hours. Guys, here. this is bad. But, but like, it goes so fast, right? This it's, has been great. Thank you. Yeah. For having me. And, and I really do hope that you come back because we'd like to have you back. We, I would love to be able to sort of uh, wrap fights and conversations. Yeah, yeah, with yeah. You oh, my gosh. Yeah, you got it, just man. We've got more to talk about. Man. We really do. Yeah. We really do. <laughs> well, uh, thanks, everybody. Thanks, everyone. And then, um, Joe, you and I might be back in a minute. Yeah, we'll talk about we'll talk about uh, fight. Fights. It just won't be the same without Fights Ashley. It won't be the same with Ashley. Yeah. We'll, we'll do our best. I'll to be here in spirit. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Bye, guys. Out of here. Okay. Hey, Joe. We're back. That was so awesome to talk to Ashley. Yeah. Thanks again to Ashley Burns for being our, our only our second guest on our podcast. Yet another home uh, badass chick here in Nashville. Fighter, artist. So cool. Um. And definitely everybody that we've had on so far definitely want to have back. Um, so, hey, uh, by the way, we, we put a call out to sort of say, hey, if anybody's got any th- sort of topics or questions or things, we can kind of talk about them. Um, Did you get any questions? Yeah. So, Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. I'm so glad. Yeah, I got some. <laughs> and so I just have to find them. But no, uh, let's see. One was um, uh, more of a topic request. Uh, and this is something that has... Uh, somehow escaped me as being so deeply relevant to what we're talking about, but uh, Eves Klein. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the painter, basically um, inventor of his own color of blue, did all this um, mm-hmm. amazing uh, work in the yeah. you know, in the last century. But, um, but for, for but, a second there, I thought you were going to talk about the, uh, the uh, Canadian MMA referee, Eves 
Oh, Levine. Eves Levine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was actually, that's my favorite referee name. It's Eves really Levine. good. So good. <laughs> but yeah, Eves, Eves Klein. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, uh, but that's yes. the kind of podcast this is. Yeah, yeah, you got to be really careful. You say Eves, and it can right. mean many things. That's right. <laughs> so, um, and that's why I had, I had all that pulled up. But, um, but basically, um, uh, he was he in I think in 1947 or 48 or something. He went and uh, became a judo master. Mm. And so I this didn't know that. and so this informed informed a lot of his work because everything had to do so much with movement and. You know, he's he's the one that sort of got uh, dancers and various people. To, he would he would do these kind of uh, monochromatic in blue uh, paintings that would be basically people uh, moving, uh, like putting paint on people, and uh, and then having them roll across a sort of a canvas in a particular way, mm-hmm. and, and so you can. Uh, kind of imagine what that looks like as it becomes this almost a, like a printmaking process. Yeah, <laughs> and kind of like a somewhere between like a, a psychological evaluation and a beautiful abstract painting. You know, mm-hmm. it's like a really uh, beautiful style. And ultimately, uh, he's just a very interesting character that, you know, while I appreciate uh, someone uh, bringing that up as a topic to discuss, uh, I, I want to go deeper into that. Mm-hmm. Um, but just on a topical level, really great example of how uh, martial arts and art, fine art, have have duly sort of uh, intersected. Now, and, was this this was somebody commented about Eve's Klein to you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They wanted me to bring that up. That's and, pretty good. That's a pretty good comment, y'all. Keep the smart comments coming. I'm impressed. That's right. <laughs> um, and the cool, you know, go look at Eve's Klein. I mean, it's like if if you're not familiar with his his work, it's 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 amazing to me there's there's no other painter or artist that i can think of where they basically um uh invented essentially a, a color uh that is so synonymous with what they do that it ended up being named after them yeah. and that color when you see it it's so profound you you can't you can't not think about it afterwards you know right it, it almost becomes this baseline of color comparison to other things is it like is it above or below sort of the you know the decline blue um really really neat stuff and and uh you know his judo history and everything is really fascinating um and there's there's a lot more to to get into there but i, I just really appreciated somebody uh bringing that up that is and cool. um and uh shout out to, to to karen chan who brought that up um, who's a great uh, video and visual artist in New York um, that I've worked with in the past in various capacities. Um, that was a really cool site on sort of like what kind of intersections we're sort of outlining here. And I thought that was just really, really cool. I wasn't um, aware of the fact that he was a judo player. So he went to Japan and actually yeah. like hung out to Became get his black like a, I, what are they? There's a name for the belt system in judo that I'm not familiar with. It's, mm-hmm. it's like, um, you know, fourth level fourth black belt i want to say the black belts that once you get to a black belt they start calling them dan yes yeah 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 and so and he did a lot of um illustration work and books and Mm -hmm. all these things in and around a lot of that um but one of the things i think is really i mean he was a real far out character i mean he um one of the sort of stories that sort of lore about him is that he and two of his um sort of artist cohorts at some point, I guess they were on some retreat or they were at the beach or they were doing something and and they decided this triumvirate of them would, would divide the, the sort of the universe of which they will address in their art into sort of three different arenas. So one would be um, language. So one guy was like sort of like, I'll take language. And then the other was um, uh, 
you know, I'll take, uh, I guess it was sort of, I'm just trying to guess here. I think it was something around like sort of something figurative or, mm -hmm. uh, illustrative and, in, in, in those ways. Um, and then, and then Eve's climb was like, you know, I, I will take sort of the, almost like the dark matter, like the, mm -hmm. the, the, um, the, the more unconscious parts of, mm -hmm. of things. And they kind of had this interesting sort of agreement to sort of That's universally cool. sort of address everything, mm -hmm. uh, in this way. Um, but really some of the most powerful, uh, amazing stuff that, that you could ever see. Uh, it just really sticks with you. Mm -hmm. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to bring that up. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, uh, and then I've got another one. Maybe, maybe on uh, on these podcasts, we can always like think of a person, if we, especially when we're going to have a short interview, yeah, and not have somebody here for the full two hours. Yeah, we could always think about like you know, the artist of the day, artist fighter of the day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this yeah. day today it's Eve's Klein, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, Eve's Klein. And so, um, <laughs> and then um, uh, my good friend, and also highly creative human being, uh, Georgia Copeland. Ah, Georgia, I saw her at the grocery store the other day. See? <laughs> Omnipresent. Yeah. And, she's uh, back. She's back. She's awesome. She's she's one of the greatest human beings I've ever known. She's an amazing singer and just a life artist, ultimately. Um, but uh, but she posed the question, and I'm just going to read it word for word, because we actually just really addressed a lot of this mm -hmm. um, uh, <laughs> with, uh, with Ashley, but so it's kind of timely. She said, question... Why do you like this? Meaning, like fighting. Why do, you, why do you like this? Even if your BFF sister from another mister has told y'all it's awful and sad and nasty. <laughs> That's what we were trying. We were kind of dancing around that reaction earlier. Say so yeah. some people are they find it off putting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's awful and sad and nasty. Yeah, and so like you know what I'll say now is is uh, Georgia, if you've heard this or anybody else. You've already heard what Ashley had to say about a mm -hmm. lot of things uh, relative to that. And here's the thing. Nothing's for everybody, mm -hmm. um, and that's fine. Um, we're not trying to sort of uh, evangelize or anything here. But, I mean, there is, the, if anything, I think it's just important for people to, even if they think that just the the sheer veneer of, of combat is just uh, unpalatable for them no matter what, if anything, something that you're opposed to or don't understand to help to just to understand it more and to understand what's mm -hmm. in, uh, you know, because I, I think that's the other mythology is that, you know, fight. That's why I'm so glad we're getting fighters in here, because, I mean, you know, there's such a sort of stereotype about fighters and, you know, yeah. being just sort of um, disaffected kind of, um, you know, uh, people that that just like violence for the sake of violence. And right. finally they had this kind of outlet for it. So now they're just going to go beat on people and it's not right. There's some other larger truth. I think also that, they're dumb, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's exactly not the case. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if anything, you know, to go and try to learn one, you know, anytime I've ever had any kind of informal instruction with uh, people that do jujitsu or various things, and they're showing me, you know, sort of, um, you know, here's our wrist lock and here's how this works. And what you want to do is you want to do this and that just mentally me trying to keep up with the sequences yeah. and the, the chess game of whatever it is they're talking about and all the various options and ways that you need to be able to be uh, conditioned to respond to different variables and mm -hmm. think very quickly and all of that. I mean, the type of intelligence that that takes even just within the actual uh, fight is remarkable to me. Uh, but even more than that, clearly, as Ashley and others, you know, uh, Nieves, all these people that we're talking to, 
they have very broad realms of interest and experience and yeah, knowledge yeah, yeah. and, and degrees. They all have and, to be incredibly bright and eloquent. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, going back even to like Rich Franklin or people like that, you know, that were teachers or, right. uh, you know, or like Rosie Sexton, uh, you know, really brilliant. You know, she's a PhD, I think something to do with neuroscience. I mean, mm. you know, there, there's, there's some insanely intelligent people. To me, it's almost like intelligence squared. If you can do brain intelligence, matters in terms of academia or just being well studied or well versed or having uh those things but at the same time if you can also have physical yeah. uh intelligence uh and how you can relate to your body and mm-hmm. in this in under the compression of this kind of a challenge of a situation yeah. i think it's just utterly fascinating and that's right. that's why i keep walking closer and closer to it yeah yeah well i feel like you know i i don't really know how i think maybe some of this came from my dad but i think it also some of it came from just being old enough where you know when i was in school and things like this this was there was enough of an emphasis on these ideas that it was it was this idea was still around and it was the idea that that like the Greek ideal, right? Like the, like the, the sort of notions of, 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 you know, in ancient Greece of like, what should, uh, what should a person be? And, you know, the idea was, well, you should be well-rounded, you know, balance in all things and all this stuff, that whole philosophy mm. and part of, so it was, you know, to the ancient Greeks, it wasn't enough to be, to be the smart guy. It's like, that's nobody wants to be just the smart guy or just the strong guy. You want to be the strong guy who's also the smart guy, who's also a good citizen, who's also yeah. spiritually developed, you know? Yep. So they'd be like, you, you need to write poems and wrestle and, you know, yeah. all this stuff, you know, to, to be an educated man or woman, you know what I mean? And to me, it's like, that's, that's a lot of why I've given myself, you know, leeway to, to be a broader minded person and let myself have more interest because just somewhere along the way, I, I made that a priority for myself of like, I don't want to be a limited human who is a thing that people can just look at and say, well, you're this, yep. I don't want to be just this, yeah. you know, I want to be, I want to be, you know, and there's, but there's all these prejudices in our society of like, you know, the art people don't like the jock people yeah, and all yeah. that kind of stuff. And it's so, I've, I, I don't, luckily for me, man, I never really paid attention. <laughs> I just yeah. sort of did what I wanted. And, and I was a jock who played music and got good grades <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and, you know, hanging out with like the burnout guys who know about guitars never bothered me as, uh, uh, you know, that I think we know, have this in common that like, they didn't I, like I was not really my, a part of any particular group. Yeah. And right. I was sort of, you know, at least vaguely welcome among all, you know, I, I never right. had any static or weirdness. Right. Yeah. There, there'd be weird times when I would be like, like I would show up at something with one friend and we'd sort of be going into a group of my other friends. And sometimes it'd be sort of like, Oil, you water, can feel yeah, things yeah. be a little bit weird, but, but I got along with everybody. And I think I was in those situations, mostly able to just be like the glue that held yeah, it together yeah. and it's like hey we're all good yeah. <laughs> no this guy's really funny you should get to know him right. yeah. i can vouch for this guy yeah i, yeah. I know this guy's huge but he's a nice guy he's okay <laughs> so so yeah i mean and i think uh you know just talking again to, to ashley it was such a she's a, a, a real embodiment of uh this this notion of of pursuit to just a greater self and a more mm-hmm. balanced self and i mean there's a lot more as much as people see this maybe these things as kind of destructive or mm. reductive or taking us back a step or culturally mm. or something it's like not i don't know everybody that has a challenge there needs to needs to um 
be okay that you know nobody has to dislike anything but or, or like anything but man just i just i hate for people to miss out on mm-hmm. on what like i said i get so many lessons and so much inspiration mm-hmm. and i like i said i'm not even a practitioner right yet right uh but uh <laughs> but you know like i just I, I i cannot get enough of it because you see people really really i mean anything that highlights the the absolute human struggle in in a really compressed and and uh raw kind of way mm-hmm. i'm all I've always been compelled towards so i think that you can look at rock and roll as that uh-huh. or you can look at um you know uh like what they you know jazz in the 1950s and 60s and and, mm-hmm. and what happened there or you look at um you know I, I mean i have like a strange fascination with um uh prison uh like prison culture uh-huh you know, and people can say like, well, that's just weird that you're, you're so into that. It doesn't mean I want to be in prison, mm-hmm. but there's a lot to derive from that. There's a lot to derive from people that are maybe not as together as they should be or have moral flaws or whatever. And the, here they are. But then inside that construct with no hope or whatever, these people will find things inside, inside themselves to have reasons to turn their lives around mm-hmm. to do something different. And then there's so much uh, innovation within those constraints of, uh-huh. you know, I mean, sometimes it's just about making a better shank, mm-hmm. but, you know, there's a lot of things that, you know, just their communication systems and codes yeah. and like just everything. I, I just am yeah. fascinated by by anybody that is in a struggle yeah. and find find ways to endure, if not prosper within right. those constructs. I think, I mean, I think fighting is kind of an extreme thing and there's not everybody's into extreme things, you know, um, but I think fighting is extreme in this in in a way that's i think it's um and you know i don't want to like you say i mean obviously we don't you know everybody gets to have their opinion and i don't if you don't like the thing i like i still like you it's okay (laughs) you know I, i would also say though that there's fighting the extremes of fighting they expose something about people that is true of all people you know what i'm saying there's something even people who don't, you know, who think it's, you know, don't like it, don't want to see it, da, 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 da. At the end of the day, I feel like it's, it's only something that's, that's in all of us, you know, not everybody paints paintings and not everybody can or will or mm. should or wants to, or understands any of that. Right. Da, da, da. There's not a patented human instinct called fight or paint. Yeah, exactly. 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 There's not this thing that everybody's in a moment, everybody's life can boil down to this thing and mm. it's called play the saxophone. <laughs> That's not it. Right. But it is, <laughs> but, and it's kind of like what, what, uh, um, uh, it's kind of what like Nieves said the other day, you know, that, that that instinct to you know to make art is as fundamentally human as this instinct to to fight mm-hmm. but the difference is that that everybody when it comes to that fighting thing or that flighting thing yeah. <laughs> you know everybody everybody uh i hope you never experience it in real life and or you're fully capable of experiencing it. It could, you could feel this way. You could be faced with a situation like this. And, and who are you now? Mm. You know what I mean? Who are you now in this extreme place? And most people, you know, they, they don't want to be, they don't want to even come close to anything that challenging. You know what I mean? They don't even want, they don't even really want to do anything that they don't already know how to do at work. Mm. (laughs) You know, I wonder if if there's like a, I wonder if there's a lot of people that are averse to competitive combat sports that are also just naturally and understandably really, really averse to conflict. And, yeah. they, and they maybe consider it to be 
or to challenge in some way, you know, yeah. they, they sort of, they've got their, because groove. it's not really conflict, but it feels like conflict. Yeah. 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 And it's like, it's like, I've got my groove and, uh, I've, you know, struggled or whatever to get to this place that I'm at in my life with my family and my mm-hmm. job and all this stuff. And, and I just want to, I just want to tread water basically. And I'm happy to, mm-hmm. and that's, and no, you're not required to do anything. You're not even required to do that. You do whatever you want, you know, but I think there's other people who are, are, they seek out challenges for themselves. And some people, you know, in the seeking that challenge, they find that they want to get to something closer to like a, the ultimate challenge, which is sort of would be like a life and death challenge. And mm-hmm. most of the time, and let's all be safe and everything fighting is not really about life or death, yeah. but it's like as close as we're going to get, you know, mm-hmm. without actually being in a life or death situation. Yeah. And you really, it exposes things about who you are. You know what I mean? Are you, you know, what happens when you're tired and you're hurt and you're, and you've got three rounds left and, mm-hmm. and you have gotten beat every other round and you don't, and you were, were you know, and it all seems lost, you know, yeah. where it sounds, it sounds like me trying to get through a day <laughs> yeah, of meetings. Yeah, 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 exactly. Who are you going to be? You know, who are you going to be now? You know, and I know for myself, you know, or like doing jujitsu, I've only done a few different, you know, classes in jujitsu, just enough basically to know what I don't know, which is everything. Yeah. And, uh, and basically here's what you do when you start to struggle is you struggle even harder you get exhausted you get submitted yeah you you get you know humiliated <laughs> and then hopefully you just you know yeah wipe wipe it off and yeah. and, and do it again you know what i mean yeah and, well especially something like jujitsu where it's it, like if you're really having to force things physically with might then you're probably doing it wrong you know there's some totally and you're learning that lesson of like it's not like th- like this this whole lesson of like how to do something correctly versus just to force something, you mm-hmm. know? And, and you all of a sudden learn that, Oh, I'm that dick who yeah. just thinks I can force it. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then on the flip side, like if anybody's listening, that's actually uh, a tremendously knowledgeable uh, martial artist, please forgive us as we, you know, sort of <laughs> like we're in this middle ground space. Like we're, we're, we're adventurers that are sort of uh, open to it and, and marrying it to something that we also have in common, which is you know, creative endeavors and all of this. So, you know, I hope that like there's people take it very seriously and they should. Uh-huh. And I don't want to I don't ever want to get into a place where it, it seems like, like I'm never going to come from a place like I really know anything about anything, honestly. So yeah. like as, as much as I might have some insights or things, there's so many gaps in my understanding and, yeah. and so little experience and understanding. So, you know, I don't ever want to sort of come off as like, oh, my God, like these guys are you know, right. like commenting on, on the entirety of martial arts, you know, I, I feel like I'm, I'm humbled by it so much that I just want to make yeah. sure that that's always sort of ever present that I, right. you know, going back to your sort of like how much I know nothing mm-hmm. uh, is how much I, I understand. Um, and then, so, so Georgia, if, uh, you know, thanks for the question. And I think, thanks that, for your question, Georgia. Thanks for your question. <laughs> Ask us more questions. We'll continue to talk to Georgia. Yeah. And unless <laughs> the question is the same thing every time where it's like, why did, did you... you see the part where I said nasty y'all? <laughs> but, um, but anyway, so, um, but you know, there's, so if, if you, uh, if the question ultimately is like, why do you like this? Well, then you're just gonna have to keep listening episode after episode as we do this because over time perhaps you'll start to understand more why that's kind of that's what we're doing here is 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 exploring that and what is what is magnetizing about it 
uh, fully understanding that it is. Yeah. Um, to me, it's like high stakes gymnastics or something. I'm watching yeah. people do things that are outrageously incredible yeah. because of their athleticism and their training and their techniques. I consider balance beams to be very high stakes, but yeah, well, that's true. They are, they are very high stakes, but there's something a little more high stakes about a, about an active adversary. Yeah. That's, that's a little, there's different. no, there's no cut men in the corner and gymnastics. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true. Um, so, so hopefully that kind of addresses some of that. And, and I, I love, um, the idea that we're sort of opening up some of these, these, uh, conversations. Um, you know, I, I don't want to do, I don't think either one of us want to do a, uh, a, a thematic episodal podcast mm-hmm. of like this. And in this episode, we're going to like, yeah. I'm not interested in, in that kind of formality I hate themes. Yeah. I mean, every time like an arts journal I write for or something like that, you know, wants to do themes. It always, I'm always just like, Fuck you. Yeah. I don't want to do a theme. I don't, what do themes have to do with me properly covering the scene that I'm embedded in? Yeah. I know what this should be about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what it should be about. Yeah. Don't put me in a, yeah. a, a, a square padded round hole. Yeah. And, and also too, the themes are always just kind of lame and they're always so, so like, weirdly broad and confining at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can tell they, came, they came out of some sort of meeting of people that actually don't do anything. Right. Yeah, they're yeah. just like, you know, it'd be great. Like yeah. that's the worst thing you can ever hear at the beginning of any <laughs> idea. Um, but, but uh, so, so, oh, so oh, that's, oh, I've got a great idea. <laughs> but no check. Right. It's, it's sort of like, um, yeah, like every, uh, any idea that starts off with uh dude, you know what we should do? <laughs> dude, we should totally like <laughs> any of those things. Don't do those things. But, uh, uh, but so that hopefully that kind of packages that up for now. And then, you know, the answer to that question will come every, yeah. every time that we do this. So yeah, uh, you're just gonna have to stay tuned for the next infinity of time. Uh, to, Are there any, to, do we get any other questions? So, well, I got a question. Um, I, I kind of hesitate to really get into it too much because it's really just about, or focused on something about me and my efforts or whatever. But, um, but I did get a, uh, an inquiry or a question suggestion, uh, via Twitter about, um, basically, uh, a record that I made, mm-hmm. um, with some people. So, uh, uh, actually the record is framed up there on the wall right there. Um, so I'll just quickly address uh, what's it. What's the, what's the title of the record? So, uh, How do I say the, it? the name of the, the name of the sort of it's called Trilon. That's what I thought. T-R-I-L-O-N. It's essentially a Michael Shreve, uh, who we talked about last. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael Shreve, the, the original drummer for Santana that has gone on to do all kinds of interesting things and is sort of a, you know, in the midst of it's the who's who it's of all rock and roll. Sweet and all white things. vinyl. If, you know, he's, he's in Woodstock. He's in Gimme Shelter. He's in every movie that, you know. Anyway, so um, he's a quintessential artist and musician and creator and f- spiritual force. He's mm-hmm. uh, and somebody and is he still based in Seattle? So, so yes. And okay. I, so I, I, you know, whatever it was 20 something years ago, I sort of apprenticed with him. Uh, and then over time, you know, uh, we've become sort of, uh, collaborators. And so he had these sessions that he had done, uh, prior. And so this is to answer, uh, the question, but basically this record, uh, it has, so Michael Shreve is playing drums on it. Reggie Watts, who everybody knows now, uh, you know, the, sort of the comedian and musician, uh, um, you know, the inimitable, hilarious, amazing, super talented Reggie Watts is on this record. Um, uh, we've got Skerrick, who's a, a sort of a saxophone luminary, um, for sure. And then, uh, Brad Hauser is playing bass. He's, 
you know, I mean, going all the way back to like, you know, E.D. Brickell and New Bohemians, like mm. he's been one of these guys that's just always been around doing amazing things. Um, and uh, let's see, who am I forgetting? Uh, probably more people, but basically somebody asked me about this record, uh, that they were into this record and, and sort of how did that, how did that come to be? So really quickly, um, you know, Michael and I have known each other for a long time. You know, I've gotten over the years so much into mixing and remixing and doing cut-ups and sort of collages and beat making and a lot of things outside of just sort of playing drums. Uh, and then also over the years, a lot of sort of steel guitar and synthesizers and various things. So you put all that together and, and uh, you know, Shreve approached me and he said, look, I've got this record that's basically uh, undone. I've got all these live sort of improvisational uh, sort of uh, jams or whatever you want to call it with, with these guys that we did in Seattle. Um, and, uh, I really want to sort of put it together. He, you know, he sent me a bunch of stuff and was sort of like, and you could hear that it was just sort of ideas that were getting sort of vaguely or in some ways really nicely fleshed out, but not, there was nothing cohesive about the body of work. So, you know, a lot of people think that I was in on these sessions because I was involved in this record. No, I actually came about later. Uh, Shreve said, look, you know, can you, if I give you all the tracks, can you, you know, in the spirit of sort of like a Teo Macero and Teo Macero is um, a legendary producer, uh, did a lot of the Miles Davis records and all that. He was, yeah. he was one of these guys that is sort of the, one of the unsung heroes of that era, bitches brew, all that, you know, like where, you know, he's taking multi-track tape uh, and then taking a lot of dis disparate kind of utterances of musical ideas that were captured over a long period of time and then stitching them together into something that is yeah. a little more cohesive. And so I just looked at that as sort of like, wow, this is my opportunity to sort of tail back when you couldn't something. do that with uh, with iTunes, right? I mean, with uh, with uh, Pro Tools, right? <laughs> and so, um, and so I, I basically, you know, it, it was a huge responsibility. Is you know, like, there's nothing worse than somebody doing a treatment or a remix or a reconstitution of a lot of material that they impose themselves so much on it that it takes away from the truth of whatever that moment was in time. Right. But it still required me to play and create and edit and do a bunch of cut up uh sort of collage work but i put it all together um and it happened you know pretty reasonably quickly and everything and uh and you know my main thing was just you, you just want i just wanted michael to be happy with it mm -hmm. and so i knew that it you know when he we were going back and forth and you know he's getting it i definitely took a lot of liberties i'm not saying i didn't lean into it because I felt like yeah, he was giving it to you and he wanted you to do it. There's, yeah. So there's, there's definitely something stylistically. I think that he kind of wanted in there, um, that was of my sort of ilk, but, um, but ultimately I was just sort of bowing down to like what these players and what mm -hmm. was going on and, and, uh, and just put it together. So anyway, that's the short version of me talking about myself on a record, but, um, but that's, is that, a, is that a record people can still buy, Brian? Yeah. So you can find it in, on digital outlets everywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, Trilon, um, just search for Michael Shreve. Try can they still get that sweet white vinyl though? Yeah. The, the, the vinyl, but <laughs> yeah. can be had via various outlets as well. Okay. Um, or you can go to my go the y'all. I'm looking at this thing right now. It's sweet white vinyl. Y'all 150 gram. And it has almost a, uh, almost a sort of joy division meets pink Floyd cover. <laughs> yeah. And the, the, the photographer that took the cover image is really neat woman who, uh, I didn't even know about until Shreve sent me that is like, you know, he wanted to press that. And uh, um, her name is uh, Alexandria Avakian, and she, mm. I think she shot a bunch of stuff for National Geographic and a lot of various mm. things. But this is kind of crazy glass pyramid, yeah. Something it looks uh, rad. It's cool. But anyway, so I'm really proud of that. That's like one of those things where, we, you know, 
kind of back to this slightly sort of martial arts parallel or something, but it's like when you, when you have a master that, mm-hmm. that, that you've learned from and to sort of work your way up over 20 years to the point of credibility that they trust you implicitly mm-hmm. to just take your own license to, to, you know, take a lot of the hard work uh-huh. of him and other people and just, and lay it out there and just say, I want you to just do your thing. Mm-hmm. That is one of the most satisfying, um, moments I think that you can have as an artist and as a creative person, just to, to feel that mutuality and, uh, in a, in a collaboration with somebody that, that, you know, you, you grew up sort of idolizing and, Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, and then now you're an equal on some level, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, I'll never say that I'm equal, but, but treated as an equal. Yeah. A peer for sure. Yeah. And so that, that's a pretty magical project for me to have done in, in my life that, mm-hmm. you know, it'll definitely be something that's always under the rate the people that get it. And the people that hear, you know, the people that are into that kind of thing, they're mm-hmm. like, Oh man, like this is, this is landmark kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a really great record, but it's also one of those things where it's not for everybody. Right. Uh, yeah. But it's, it's pretty sweet. Check it out. Um, trial on Michael Shreve. And, and so hopefully that, uh, <laughs> answers the, uh, the Twitter question that I got. And I don't even know, like, let's see, what is the, uh, the person, I, I don't even know the name of the person that gave me that question, uh, but they have a handle. Um, yeah, I don't think I got any questions on the stuff I posted. So if, if I'm missing somebody, bug me about it and we'll talk about whatever you wanted to next week. But I think, uh, I think that's it. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, we'll, I, I think there's other words that I got, but I just, I think that's enough for now and we'll keep collecting them. And I love the idea of just um, people listening and, and, and having some curiosity there. So that's, that's awesome. We'll talk about whatever, man. Um, so yeah. And then in terms of like current events, you know, I know that that's something we kind of want to touch on, uh, with the, with the fight game. Cause I mean, here's the thing, people, if you're not, even if you're not into fighting, I know we say this a lot, but listen, you're also missing out on the greatest soap opera spectacle of, insane proportions ever there is news and happenings and things that happen every week um that are so fascinating to follow because you got people that are playing the promotion game you got people that are uh you know you've got these amazing sort of wins and losses and stories and human stories and it is certainly an addictive um sort of thing to tie into but one thing we haven't talked about um that uh i kind of just wanted to bring up that i think is amazing is uh nick newell is uh, has announced his return so uh that is going to be i think early next year so he went out with you know he was in the world series of fighting i think he lost to justin gaethje who's clearly running the table right now in the ufc uh but nick newell's a a fantastic human being and and quite a story and a congenital amputee um who uh is is uh you know an amazing, highly skilled fighter. So that's really cool. And then, um, where's he coming, coming back to where to the world series of fighting again, or where's he going to fight at that? I'm not sure that I, I don't, I don't know. Um, or maybe it's, Oh, I think it's legacy. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's what it is. So, um, so that's really cool. And then on the other sort of, I don't know if it's a sad note or not, but you know, and a lot of these things happen and they don't really make news headlines or whatever, but I just follow these people. So you kind of keep up, Mm -hmm. but, um, or you can kind of get a get word of what's happening with them. But, uh, Heather Joe Clark, uh, who's one of my favorite female fighters who is also just a person I've been able to have the luck to interact with several times and have conversations with and, uh, and all that. Who's an incredible photographer, incredible fighter, incredible sort of fitness kind of, um, model guru kind of person and all this uh and she trained at jackson wink for a long time mm-hmm. then went to vegas and trains there 
um, I think Couture's gym or something. I want to say you mentioned her last week too. Yeah, right? I did. Yeah. I probably mentioned her every podcast because mm. it's just, uh, but she got cut, uh, from the UFC. Oh, really? I didn't yeah. know about that. Yeah. And so, you know, it's one of those where, you know, the, the struggles that you follow people through on mm. the, you know, I, so I've been able to see her go from regional promotions get into the, you know, be on the ultimate fighter, get into the UFC, have, you know, reasonable success there. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, she definitely lost some fights, but she definitely won some fights. Yeah. Definitely good showing. Certainly, you know, been a, you know, in the, in the midst of it, uh, and, and living that sort of dream. Mm-hmm. And then you, you know, you see people when they get cut and, and, the, and you can see the, the questions, you know, uh, okay, what, what, what is next or what is the, what is the dream now or, you know, yeah. whatnot. And, uh, so it's very, it's very, very interesting to me, but, mm-hmm. um, but anyway, so that's one of the current event to, sort of things that, uh, that I'm following and I encourage everyone to go and just search for Heather, Heather Clark, UFC, go find out about her and what she does and, um, you know, check out some of her fights. Um, I was lucky enough to, when she was fighting in the XFC to be able to photograph some of those fights cage side and, and, uh, get to interact with her on that basis. And it's just so cool. Like I just think about little moments, you know, Mm -hmm. like, um, you know, one, one fight that I, uh, shot that she was in, um, you know, she won. And then, you know, when they come out of the cage and then there's the stairs that kind Mm -hmm. of come down from the cage to the floor, you know, I was just, I was able to be standing just right there with a camera to capture this amazing expression of just relief and mm-hmm. happiness, you know, as she's sort of coming down the steps, uh, it's this kind of black and white shot. You're looking up, the lights are all coming from behind. And, and, and there was this moment where, you know, she happened to catch, she could see me sitting, you know, standing right there. Maybe I was in the way. I don't know, but, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, she's whatever looking, it takes, Brian, get right, that right, fucking that's, shot. That's right. But she's <laughs> looking, she's just looking right at me. And so I just revere and, and really appreciate those split second little moments where mm-hmm. it's like, man, I was able to capture like that, that culmination of all of the training and, mm-hmm. and the, you know, like it's red, you know, so, um, in, in another life, I would love to be a, like, a you know, an Esther Lynn type figure, you know, mm-hmm. that can just, you know, Esther Lynn is an amazing, uh, photographer that is really, really, really the preeminent mixed martial arts photographer mm-hmm. and, and is a, and is a really interesting sort of personality. And, yeah. um, <clears throat> but anyway, but you know, photographing those things, uh, is super interesting and, and, uh, and provided me a lot of experience of interacting with some of these folks. Luke Sanders is another one who's, uh, an XFC or regional sort of level fighter that, uh, is now in the UFC. Uh, and I run to him from time to time. I want to have him on the show and we've, we have reached out to him. Yeah. So, um, you know, he's got some, you know, his, his last fight got canceled last minute. He was, uh, with UFC Pittsburgh mm. and he was there and his opponent got sick uh, uh, at the last second. And they had such know, a bummer. I can't imagine. I mean, those are the kind of things I want to talk to people about because I mean, of course in the media, they're going to say like, this is a super bummer, mm. you know, but you know, get, you know, feel better and we'll do it next time. But I mean, yeah. my God, like what it takes to work up the courage and the, the, the get in fight shape, cut the weight, do all the yeah. things, get there, yeah. you know, and you know, nobody's immune to sort of nerves and, and, and the exhaust of what that, that progression yeah. is towards the fight, probably worse than, you know, everybody seems to say like that that's harder than the actual fight itself mm-hmm. and to get all the way there. And this is a huge profile. That was a great card. I mean, so, uh, you know, wow. Like to, to get, you know, 
it's like you go to play a show or something you're yeah. in a huge band you're getting ready to go play like this huge gig yeah. one of your biggest gigs ever and they just like oh no there's no electricity yeah and now and you not only that but i mean you spent all this money training and now you don't even get a chance to win you know what i mean i mean a lot of times you're going to get some kind of money for the for show up and make weight and you're going to get a certain amount of show cash money. but yeah but but it ain't it ain't win money yeah you know and these guys are doing it for a living these and these ladies too you know so it's it's that's that's and nobody's you know, getting rich. Uh, yeah. Very few people are getting rich. Very few, yeah. Um, very, very painfully, woefully few. I mean, mm. uh, there's definitely a, a whole uh, you know issue there, I think, with fighters not being paid what they should be paid. Yeah. Um, there's been some fledgling union efforts that have not really taken hold. No. It's another sort of interesting sort of sub-drama within the, yeah. within the UFC and then fighting in general. But that's why it's so refreshing to meet people like Ashley you know, where it's like, you know, you can just tell that it doesn't matter where, it doesn't matter when, mm-hmm. how, mm-hmm. how many people that like just, she just really loves what, what she does. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that a lot of, a lot of fighters, I think get to that moment where the, they, things start to really take off and they start to get noticed and, and they start to make some money. And then man, what a short lived career. A lot of them uh, mm-hmm. have because it's just the nature of the game. Right. Uh, or, you know, injuries or, you know, various considerations, uh, get you out of it. And it's just like any other sport, football, any of these things where it's like, people need to have a plan coming mm. out the other side of like, yeah. what are you going to do next? Right. Uh, but it's almost like you don't have the synapses. Become an to, artist. <laughs> right, right. But you have no synapses to burn. I would imagine when you're in the, it's gotta be really right. special people that can, that can be thinking about the future while being in the now to, to do that. When the now is such an extreme, crazy you, place, right? Yeah. It's way more intense than like, man, I've got a huge meeting on Monday. <laughs> Or I've got to, you know, whatever. Yeah, whatever I'm doing. So have, did you go, have you been to the, uh, so back to Nashville art. Yeah. Uh, we're just going to pivot around. Um, but uh, have you checked out uh, the Nick Cave situation? I did. I saw the media preview last Thursday. So um, I haven't, uh, uh, Nick Cave is a, an artist from Chicago who is primarily known for these things called sound suits, which are just these crazy outrageous costumes that he displays on mannequins. Um, but they were originally inspired by the Rodney King video of, of Rodney King being beaten by the Los Angeles police department. And so in a way they sort of are, uh, these sort of contemporary suits of armor in a way that's the way he kind of thinks about them. Um, uh, but, but one thing that's cool about his work is that it's extremely colorful. It's a lot of it's made with like found objects and stuff. So like, like some of the suits are just like covered in like toys and shit, you know, and other suits. And when they're presented, these are like, they're embodied. They're not just hanging. Yeah, no, they're like, they're like in mannequins or whatever. So they're like, they're like forms, you know, and at the, at the frist, they've got a one whole gallery is just a big runway basically with these crazy suits on them. Um, but, but one of the things that's really great about his work is that he's very like, a little kid could go and look at those suits all day long and be just like way blown the fuck away by these crazy, colorful, shiny outfits. Right. Um, but somebody like you or I could go and also understand this bigger social context. Mm-hmm. And there's the sort of messages that he's messaging and the statements that he's making. So his work's really very, uh, accessible and at the same time, real bright and, and thoughtful and, 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 you know, 
hot minute, like, you know, in terms of what he's addressing. I mean, it's exactly what's going on right now. So it's in in an abstract, it's almost like just being in New Orleans on acid or something. Yeah, it's crazy. It's so festive yet dark. Yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, Well put. So so there's a there's a whole display of the suits. There's a, a, a giant like video installation again. That's basically like you're in a gallery and there's a huge video um, and it's it's a dancer who's in one of these suits that is like covering the entire body and as this dancer is dancing and doing its thing he's using like a um like one of these uh one of these video editing tools that basically uh turns the screen into like a mirror like one side's the mirror image of the other so as oh. the dancer's dancing there's this bifurcation where you see the reflected image on the other side of the mirror and so it's this real huh. it basically becomes like a like an abstract shape because because you don't even really like i see every now and then you'll see a foot or something but huh. for the most part you can't even tell it's a person huh. uh so it's really interesting and it's it's a massive display and it's got sound and everything then there's another one and, and that's a traveling exhibit this is an exhibit that was actually created by the frist center by a uh a curator named oh. Katie Delmay is the is the one who organized it, oh. and she and then the the one other exhibit one other uh, gallery has like this hanging it's like basically like a bamboo curtain like i used to have in my closet or like your mom yeah. had in the 70s dorm room <laughs> yeah exactly it's basically uh, these these hanging bamboo rods that are all painted and as you walk around it these various images emerge like as you look at it from different angles Whoa. so all of a sudden you're walking past it and all of a sudden there's like oh a whole like painted forest and then you keep going and all of a sudden now there's like a leopard you know what i mean so it's real and then but then as you keep moving these things disappear and other images appear wow. yeah it's pretty rad so it's it's but it's so it's sort of like uh, you know it's not a, 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 a an exhibition that has you know, a hundred things in it. It's an exhibition that's got, you know, probably only about 30 things in it total, but, yeah. but it's like these big displays that you sort of spend time with. That kind of anchor in yeah. part of the experience. Yeah. And another thing that he does that's, that's, you know, kind of connected to making this work that, that like, again, that nearly any audience might enjoy on some level. He also is really into working with communities. So he's going to be back in Nashville in April to work on a big um, uh, community sort of happening that'll happen at our Skirmerhorn uh, Symphony Center downtown. I think there's going to be more than one actual performance of this, but it's going to be like dancers, musicians, all this stuff. I'm not even sure how or who he's getting involved with, but I get the impression that it's sort of like, if you want to do something, you can go do something Mm. with them. I mean, there might even be like audience participation kind of things that happen during this performance or whatever. But when, when uh, he comes back uh, to work with these groups in Nashville, I'll be in touch with Katie and, and we'll see if we can't uh, get him to come talk to us here. Great. He grew up with yeah. like, I think he said, I don't remember how many uh, brothers he said, but while he was sort of talking to us on Thursday, he mentioned that he had like, all, he grew up with all these brothers in Chicago. And as I was saying to Brian, I was saying like, I can't believe that this guy grew up in Chicago with all these brothers. And at some point they didn't put some gloves on or something. You know? <laughs> right. So I'm sure he's got at least, or at least maybe some fandom or something that he can talk about or, yeah. you know, or he's like, again, he's a super well and ultimately the correlation between the things that we constantly highlight is not necessarily yeah. required we just that's true yeah we I mean, you know there's gonna be plenty of opportunities to but we'll try to get him over here and, and yeah. sit down and talk to us and uh uh it could be really cool yeah and i would say um uh also anybody that's uh out there listening 
out there in the uh, you know I keep whenever I say that I always picture like that sort of Wolfman Jack I feel like um, uh, the movie American Graffiti you know like where he's Wolfman Jack is sort of isolated (laughs) he's like the kind of mysterious character that's sort of the god figure yeah 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 and and like everybody's like they're just constantly listening to him on the radio but then finally they go and he goes and sees him in the studio and he gets a peek of him (laughs) Uh, anyway I guess my point was just that uh, anybody that has any sort of uh, suggestions about uh, anybody you'd love us for us to talk to, please just send, send that along. Even if it's just yourself, right. right? Like get in touch because uh, we're booking this thing out and we got a a nice array of uh, people that we're very interested in talking to. And we just want to keep stacking that up because this is going to get really good. Yeah. And it's cool. (laughs) I mean, if they can, if it's people who are in Nashville or near Nashville or, you know, somewhere, where they, you know, are a musician who comes through Nashville or something like that. That's all good. But ultimately, we'll probably also be doing stuff with people on Skype and things. So no matter who it is or where they are, like, you know, let us know and we'll we'll get in touch. And if we can do it, we'll do it. Yeah. And um, so what else do we have, Mr. Joe? Um, uh, well, we're, we're getting close to another hour that we just did. So let me just, Jeez. I'm going to plug a couple things. Let's plug, <laughs> yeah, let's plug uh, away. So um, on Saturday night, I was at the Red Arrow. My friend Jody Hayes opened up a new art exhibition called uh, Keeper. And um, there's actually going to be, I guess we'll put this up tonight. Is that right? So uh, on Wednesday, the 15th, okay, which will be, if you're listening to this right after we put it up, you'll know about this. But on Wednesday, the 15th, they're actually doing an event there with like beer and food and Jody's exhibit will be open. So if you haven't, if you're in Nashville and you haven't seen the show yet, go check it out. Um, But that same night, Jody and I collaborated on a book project that she did all these um, uh, ink paintings uh, of of her neighborhood in East Nashville. It looks amazing. It's quite a book. I'm very impressed by it. Our friend David King, uh, runs a press called extended play press. So this thing is like hand printed hand bound. I mean, it's like, it's literally like an object that he made, um, out of her paintings. And then, uh, I supplied him with a bunch of text and then, uh, that was converted into like, he literally like typed it up and and did all these different things with it to make it so it wasn't just like you know my you know 12 point fucking times new roman font or whatever (laughs) you know so it's like it's it's actually this print and then there was even some stuff that he said you know he said hey these sections that you sent me uh handwrite those on a piece of paper and then scan it and send it back to me and he has this all these different crazy ways that he can print and he literally printed that handwriting on the paper but it looks just like i wrote it with pencil on the Yeah, it doesn't look like something else. It looks like pencil on the paper, but it's actually a printing process that he does. So it's, it's a super fucking cool book. And if you're interested in art, if you're interested in, I guess I would call these things poetry. They're just sort of like these weird little things. And this paper, it's like on its own, like separate sheet of this, like, kind of like rad feeling paper. And then that's actually folded into the book. So you look at the paintings, you pull that out, you read the writing and it's a whole like crazy so you get to interact with little it. experience. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I really, it there really is something. It's, it's of, not a no touchy. Yeah. No, 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 no. You get, you got to get right cool. on. So, and if you go to extended that should be probably one of the first books you'll see because it's the newest one. Extendedplaypress.com. Yeah. Uh, extendedplaypress.com or whatever. If you follow me on social media and stuff and bug me about it. Mighty I'll, Joe I'll Nolan. Send you a, I'll send you Mighty Joe Nolan on Twitter. Mighty Joe Nolan on Instagram. That's Joe Nolan Nashville on Facebook. Um, and also I have a new song that I'm putting out. I literally just sent it out to a bunch of blogs before I came here tonight nice. to try to get, you know, you, yeah, you brought that up last week, I guess it was, you yeah. said that was going to happen. So great. Yeah. So it's going to be, it'll, it'll officially be on my, um, 
uh, my Bandcamp page in, which is also Mighty Joe Nolan. Uh, it'll be on my Bandcamp page uh, on December fourth. Um, that's when it'll be. You can you'll be able to buy it or download it or whatever. Sweet. Um, uh, and yeah, and like I said, in the meantime, it's a song called Hunter's Meadow, which is inspired by Hunter's Meadow Lane, which is a road that goes right off of uh, Gale, uh, right off of Gallatin Pike. Oh. so it's over there in my East Nashville neighborhood. You cannot escape the Pike. Yeah, no, it was weird, man. I I I I was talking to a guy who's working with an artist who used to do a lot of co-writing. And uh, has been doing these albums recently, and uh, he seemed to be sort of hinting to me like maybe she could use a co-writer again kind of thing, you know, and why don't you give me some of the music that you've done recently? But it got me to thinking about about, well, because I don't I don't do a whole lot of like, you know, come in and like write help an artist write their songs or whatever I, I don't do a lot of that right so it's almost a completely different skill set yeah kind yeah. of a little bit yeah i mean i i think it's interesting and i think it's something uh it's definitely something i'm interested in doing i mean it would depend on the fit obviously you know what i mean and i mean for for you and them i mean you mm. but with that in mind i was sort of like doing a little i was listening to some music and checking out like the stuff she had done what this you know what the what the kind of songs they had written together were like and thought well no this is this is you know there's like a folky thing here there's like a bluesy thing here and that all that definitely is stuff that i can relate to mm. and then so this is all sort of just this kind of musical moods are sort of like swimming around in my head and then i see this sign for hunter's meadow and i was just like that's exactly that's exactly the kind of song that you would write yeah, <laughs> you oh, know? Yeah. and uh so i wrote this song and uh my friend uh i'm I'm still trying to complete an album with my buddy Jerry at his studio over in East Nashville, but we haven't, we've, we've been so pressed for time on his end that we haven't even gotten in to do the recent sessions that we should be doing on this record. So I went to another friend of mine, Andrew Adkins, who, if you live in Nashville or not, he's a singer songwriter, but also a producer and does all sorts of stuff. He's got a great little studio at his place. So he, uh, helped me to record some demos cause I had all these new songs I wanted to at least get down and all my stuff's in storage, right? Because I moved in with my wife. And so, yeah. uh, so, um, uh, so I went to his place and we recorded these things. And then we immediately just started talking about like, well, that's, you know, I could hear something like this. Like, what if this song had this or that? And I was like, look, man, you know, if if you if you wanna if you wanna fuck around and like explore this stuff, you you can totally do whatever you want. And, and we'll call you'll be the producer, the engineer, but like, you can just take it and run with it as far as you choose. Right. Yeah. Cause the, the way we were doing it was just, you know, buddies and you're going to cut my demos. You know, it's important. I think for sometimes just to be like somebody take the reins and, yeah. and, and exercise some sort of vision upon it yeah. in a way that is outside of maybe it's original right. uh, context because that, that's how you stretch. That's how you yeah, get some other degree. broader visions yeah. put around it. that can really pay off. Yeah. And it's also a thing too, of like, you know, when you're just collaborating with friends and there's no, there's not even any talk of like how much money is going to be exchanged and yeah. you're hiring people. And this is the deadline when we have to have this mm -hmm. stuff. When you, you were not, when you're not entering into a business discussion, I think the, the value of that kind of a thing to me is, um, is, a, a real collaborative partnership. I so it's been like, paid, I haven't been paid for any podcast. <laughs> yeah, yet. exactly. So just exactly. let you know, like I, I'm engineering yeah. all this stuff over here. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No. <laughs> but I feel like, I feel like that's like what it's about. So it's like, okay, well I wrote the songs I'll perform yeah. the, the, I, I just did my guitar and vocal, which is a yeah. massive, um, yeah. that you're creating the, the Genesis of what is, yeah, there's the thing. And then there's just essentially yeah. aesthetic and yeah. contextual judgments yeah. to make. Uh, yeah. And yeah. if, and if, and if you, you know, and if I'm um, to my friend, Andrew, you know, if, if you feel like 
if you feel like inspired to, you know, I'm happy for you to do anything you might like, you know, so as, long, did, as long as we can peel it back. <laughs> yeah. Well, we did. We tweaked. Just make sure it's yeah. multi-track. And there was not, only, yeah. there was only like one, there was like one, uh, vocal, uh, uh, I would say there's, there was more than one vocal thing that we did on it, but it was really just because when it was all said and done, Andrew's a really good singer. And I kind of wanted to see how he would sound yeah. singing with me. Yeah. And I just, you know, I just like, if, if we have the opportunity to record another singer or just cut me again mm. it's like i gotta have like another vocal on my choruses <laughs> you know yeah. what i mean you're kind of like, getting that, that worked makes, out yeah that yeah. makes sense so there was there was a few things that we tweaked but for the most part it, he did this really interesting production on it with some cool horns and stuff on it and it was Neat. really yeah this is, this is, so this is coming out uh the fourth on your band camp it'll be yeah mon- it'll be the first monday of december man yeah and so, so the the bloggers and the the review sphere has already received their copies. Yeah, we'll see. I've actually okay. already heard back from a couple of people like rejecting my rejecting my. <laughs> I should read my bad reviews. Oh man, no! Like here's yeah. the thing. Like uh, I used to have in, in my press kit. I used to have. This is totally true. I had um the number the the first review that uh, was on my little sort of uh, review whatever you call it like the press kit thing. Uh-huh. Um, I made sure that this was put on there. It said um. Rolling Stone called Siskin's music, quote, unsolicited and returned to sender. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's great. And uh, this, uh, the, the two ones I've gotten so far, one guy, one guy was very complimentary of it, but also said uh, that it just wasn't... Um, uh, it wasn't really, it wasn't for his blog, you know, it wasn't yeah. really matching what he was looking to, to talk about musically. And then the, another guy said that it was, uh, that it needed, basically he was, it seemed like he was saying like this production needs to be developed, but it was so hilarious because it's sort of like one of those signs of like, like I, when I, when I put on my very first album, it got reviewed and like this guy, like mostly a good review, but the negative things he had to say about it it really sounded like did you just listen to the first song because yeah, like all of these clearly all the rest of the stuff is like accounted for in the second half of the album and it's a journey you know yeah. well I, that's a, you know, unfortunately so that's a forgotten yeah. modality now right. like you can't yeah, yeah, yeah. you can't expect well unfortunately on, people yeah. to string that together well even on this single it's like you know he's like saying you know like there needs to be more layers to this production and it's because the first verse is literally just me and my guitar but by the third verse Mm-hmm. You've got vocals, guitar, organ, piano, drum yeah. horns. I mean, it's massive by the end. It's like, I don't know. We were running out of space for layers by it's, the end of this thing. It's one thing just to say, like, hey, this isn't my bag. It's another thing to start giving this that kind of uh, production level sort of critique of. Yeah, of, yeah, of, yeah. Like, okay, like, yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was fun. Well, it was, like, these I are mean, just choices that are made yeah. that are conscious. It's not like that I was lazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, and it's and like like you're saying too. I mean, and also times, fuck that guy or whatever. Who cares? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's also the thing of like you know, it's it's funny when when people who don't know how to do what you do are yeah, telling yeah. you how you should be doing it. Yeah. But um, uh, but it's also funny just because, like I say, that the the thing that's got me laughing the most is just that it was like a criticism that to me was was you know it's just like i don't think you listened to the whole song yeah. i don't think you because if you had you would have heard all the fucking layers <laughs> they totally didn't that yeah. reminds me of um i had a i, I took a, a class once uh in college where the professor was an adjunct professor and she was terrible like she was one of the worst professors ever never half the time didn't even show up for class 
and uh and uh basically i wrote a she just signed this massive paper that wasn't like a, we're going to work with you through the semester you paper. Told me yeah, this semester. Yeah, yeah, I told you. So, so <laughs> I just put out this paper that I just complete. I just basically uh, took a bunch of copy and paste stuff from the internet about the role of women in the occult, <laughs> and then just splatter painted it all into this thing that looked like a paper, and then put little insertions in there that were like you were fit, you were you were late to at least half of our classes, and, you know, like just insulted everything I hated about her as a professor, and I got an A on the paper. <laughs> no, but the people that are the critics and the people that the, yeah. they're so rarely actually mm-hmm. conscious or trying it's yeah, unbelievable yeah. but at the same time you know the the ones where it does There's, connect and, and yeah. it feels right then that's yeah. so it's a, it's a nice thing when that happens you know it is it totally yeah. is and there's definitely good people out there and there's there's people who i i'm very grateful to because they are very very much understand what i'm doing they're into what i'm doing they solicit me about when when are you going to send me some more music that kind of thing yeah so that's Fantastic, but but when you branch out and you, uh, uh, my friend Andrew actually hooked me up with this uh, site. I actually wasn't even aware of this site, but it's called Submit Hub or SubHub, is what it's called, and it basically allows you to sort of like rifle through like all these different. You basically use these filters and you filter it down to these are the blogs that are looking for the music oh, that you do. And then you can send them your song or your album or whatever cool. all at once. So I, I, so when I was done with my filtering, I kind of opted to use heavy filtering. So yeah. I would hopefully just get people who would like what I was sending them. I would be interested in the kind of music I was sending. I missed on that one guy, but, um, uh, but, um, but then you automatically, I think I automatically sent it out to like a dozen blogs, right? So that's a lot easier than trying to so, just farm through them and one by one. I was thinking about like you 19, know, 1991, you know, like uh, being at the post office. Like, oh my okay, God. Now I've got to mail this stuff to all these yeah, people. I remember just shit. armloads of, of manila envelopes, you know, just like taking them. With DIY, your, I got my, got my CD and yeah. my bio. And everything. That was my favorite. <laughs> one of my favorite moments that I ever had actually in that sort of, I mean, there's nothing worse than sending your music out as an independent musician to be reviewed or whatever. It's just, I, I don't know. For me, I just, I loathe every aspect of that. And I haven't done that for a very long time, but, yeah. but basically I, I, but I just remember I was on a lark. I just, I sent uh, a CD that I made in like 2099 or 2000. I sent it to uh, Bob Boylan at, uh, at NPR. Mm. And this record was like kind of instrumental, kind of weird, but it had a thing I thought, you know, that might be working for some, uh, you know, like maybe NPR would like this. I don't mm-hmm. know. And the next thing I know, like I am, uh, in the shower one morning listening to NPR or something and on the shower radio. And all of a sudden I hear my stuff come on and I'm like, what the hell? And then they started using it all the time. So like for, Oh, that's for, cool. For, for many years, actually, they used my stuff as like little bumps on all things considered and wow. uh, all of that, like all the time. So it was really cool. And there's, there's more of a story to that that I'll tell one day, but it was just really special because my, uh, I just remember being a kid when I, you know, my dad making me listen to NPR and it, I was just, there's no greater torture when you're a child. Mm-hmm. I just want to listen to my rush tapes or whatever, <laughs> you know, in the car. And he's like, no NPR at five o'clock, you know, all yeah. things considered. And so I, I remember I called him that day and I was like, I figured out how to get my music on, Yeah, you know, during all things considered, I just had to like grow up, learn how to play music, <laughs> send it to them, hope that they get it, <laughs> hope they choose to put it on. And now I've, now I've got it. I yeah. Figured it that's out. rad. But anyway, but yeah, so I, yeah, the, the thing of sending music to people, um, necessary evil but um yeah but the people that are fun. listening here are already gonna know and be predisposed yeah. to the idea that it's fucking awesome and so they're gonna go to at mighty joe nolan um unless it's facebook which would be mighty or joe, mighty 
Wait, Joe, no, Joe Nolan Nashville. Joe Nolan Nashville okay. on Facebook, yeah. All right. And if anybody out there, hey, if you're listening to us and you're a music blogger and you're interested in uh, singer-songwriters in East Nashville, uh, hit me up and I'll send I'll send you my signal my single mm-hmm. and you can uh, you can review it sometime before. And if you don't like December. it, just fuck you. Yeah, if you don't like it, I'll, I'll mock you on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Right. Please, please give us your address. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, but anyway, so uh, I guess we're going to wrap this up now. Um, yeah. I, I'm going to be going to New York tomorrow for the next five days. So I'm pretty okay. stoked. Maybe about we'll that. take, maybe we'll take next week off for Thanksgiving. Does that make sense? Or do you think yeah, we're gonna... well, I think we might do one. I think we might do one the day before Thanksgiving, if you're around, uh-huh. uh, but we'll talk. About Are we going to maybe just, well, so maybe it'll be just us or maybe we'll find a guest. Yeah. I've got, I've got some, Somebody. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, I've got somebody that's top secret that's going to blow everybody's mind. Okay, I can probably do the day before because we're going to be staying in town. So cool. Yeah. Um. Well. All right. So, what a successful, amazing podcast. Yeah. Thanks again to been. Ashley Burns. We really appreciated her coming by. Unbelievable. I mean, really. I, I. If we just did every other podcast in the future with her, I would be thrilled. Yeah. Let's no. just, just have her and then we won't have to book yeah. anymore. Well, we, when we were, uh, when we walked Ashley out, we were talking about, uh, you know, when she has another music project going on or like, uh, she was saying, she's hoping to have another fight, um, very soon. So hopefully we'll be able to have her back on and she can tell us about her fight and we can help her promote it. Yes. Or we can do the podcast cage side. I, well, I'm looking for press passes. Or, I guess very ringside, not cage side. This would be yeah. one of the, this would be one of the, you know, one of the ways that we'll quote unquote get paid is we'll maybe <laughs> get, get to go uh, get to go uh, to some fights for free. Yeah, and hey, <laughs> listen. So this is the part that I is you know, it, will you please if you're listening to this, first of all, thank you. Oh my God, you've listened to a lot. Yeah, and it's awesome because we do this because we love it. And so if you've come along this ride, really appreciate it. Um, make sure you go to artfightclubpodcast.com, subscribe to the podcast, go to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash artfightclubpodcast. Um, we're rate on, us on iTunes. Yeah, rate us on the iTunes. That's how things get out, you know, unearthed and made, you know, available in this biased system that they have. Um, that you can really have no, you have no idea what's happening. Uh, yeah, but the more that you like rate us and share us and <laughs> tell your friends and everything else, the the yeah. better chance we'll have to keep the going. Yeah. So we want your questions. We want your input. We want your guest suggestions, and we we need a lot of things from you. So. Um, get prepared and there's going to be more of this and you, you, you basically all work for us now no um, <laughs> no seriously thanks uh, anybody that's listened this, this far especially if you're not um, somebody that's uh, our friends we yeah. love our friends but yeah it's really cool when you find out that uh, the reach is already getting uh, well beyond our, our network and that's yeah. been happening it's so cool um, shout out to my buddy Aaron Miles who uh, who had to like sign up for some kind of membership or something in order to rate us on iTunes but oh. you know made sure to tell me I love you guys so much I literally <laughs> went through the trouble to do all this shit just so I could give you five stars <laughs> man so alright until the next one everybody appreciate it later later <laughs> <laughs>